What's up, everyone? Today on the podcast, I'm going deep with my friend, Anissa B., one of the hardest workers in the creative industry I know. Anissa is a talented actress and comedian who, after recently performing in LA, has returned home to kick off her Australian tour in Brisbane, where she's also filming her comedy special. On the podcast, we spoke about her journey, being vulnerable, finding your own true self, and how technology is affecting the way we grow and connect. I really enjoyed this podcast and got a lot from it. I hope you do too. Please welcome the talented Anissa B. You're now about to go deep with Dan Good. There we go. We're in. Anissa. We're here. Anissa. Yeah, that's my name. Don't wear it out. In fact, it's the sweetest sound that anyone can ever hear is your own name. And we may wear it out in this podcast. So. I, no, I'm not possible. Really? Not possible. No. I mean, I I do pride myself in having a very controlled ego, but hey, if you say my name a thousand times, I'm probably <laughs> going to like you more, is well, all you, I'm saying. You'd be used to it now with a microphone, right, doing comedy. Uh, yeah, actually, that's interesting. Kind of getting introduced and hearing your own name is um, is fun, especially when you're starting out. It's like, oh, cool. Yep, that's me. That's me. Usually you're just so used to like school saying like roll call and hearing your name that way or when you're in trouble by your parents, like that's the two. When it's actually to applause, that's a bit different. That's yeah, a bit fun. I guess there's no way to really shorten that either because I know if I hear Dan, it's friendly, but if I hear Daniel, I'm like, oh, what did I do wrong? Yeah, actually, mm, the only time I know, like, <laughs> but no one knows this, so this will be fun, is my father says my name a specific way because it's Russian. And I know I'm in trouble when that happens. Yeah. Not so much in my adult life, but uh, when I was younger, because my name's Anissa or Anissa in Russian, like just a small accent change. Uh, but when I'm in trouble, it's Aniska. 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 Like that. It doesn't really sound like a trouble sort of oh, tone though, When you it? hear it from my father though, <laughs> that's a different story. Okay. Yeah. So how are you feeling? You're back in Brisbane. You're I ready am. to do your comedy show, do an hour? Yeah, I'm back in Brisbane. I've got this week. It's actually great because I've got Russian Christmas tomorrow with my family. Okay. So my background's Russian uh, Orthodox. And so they're all sort of in town, which is fantastic. And that's why I kind of programmed these Brisbane shows around kind of that, but not really. Yeah, okay. And wanted to use Brisbane as a way to kick off the tour, which is fun and big and huge and kind of mind-blowing, which is great. <laughs> and you have the support there, obviously, fam and friendly, you know, friendly fam. Friendly fam. Friends is what a I meant to say, but I kind of jumbled fam. that up. Friendly so fam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have friends and family coming, which is uh, just incredible. I think it's one of those things where originally, again, I'm doing two nights. Originally I kind of came with this concept of I'll do one night. It'll be kind of like this big shindig of family and friends and we'll record the show and it'll be kind of like my 30th birthday party all in smack bang in one. And then one of my friends said to me, why don't you do two nights? And I'm like, oh, Okay, she's like, you're already here. I'm like, all right, I'll do two nights. And then we've got all these extra seats. I'm like, okay, well, let's open it up to the public and let's just do that as the Brisbane leg. Great, cool. Okay, so originally you were just doing it for your family and friends and as a it was birthday be, extravaganza, right? Yeah, it was going to be a private, sort of a oh, private okay. show and yep. we were going to record it. And the reason why I really wanted to create this amazing kind of experience is because the show, when you see it, is a show and once I do this tour I've got the next show lined up and it'll be something completely different so okay. as soon as I let this go it's gone that's your hour yeah. yeah um so I wanted something to remember it by and I've also got very strategic reasons as to why I'm doing that that way as well yeah. uh 
and you probably, you've been watching my journey oh, yeah. for a little while. I'm so. taking notice of the hustle. <laughs> the hustle is real. So I've got some plans with that as well yep. and and some different avenues that that could possibly go down depending on how it turns out. And that's the great thing about comedy and stand-up is you could have this whole planned out, you know, from A to B kind of thing, but the audience is always going to be different on the night. The experience is always going to be different. You might run off on a tangent and come back. Like you just don't know. Mm. Uh, so there's this beautiful flexibility. And you kind of chaos when you're up there on stage. It's controlled chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you're filming it obviously. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to use this as a special of sorts mm-hmm. and shop around after with this special. Is that what the vibe I'm getting here? Yeah, that is the vibe you're getting here. Uh, there is, I've been fortunate enough to make some amazing contacts when I went to America recently and whether that is to shop it around in some, uh, look, I'm not, it's not big names, so I won't, I won't say anything, but it has an opportunity to build a a bigger and vast audience for me that I probably could not have ever done ever before. And whether that comes into fruition or not is, you know, happens, but if I don't have the product, I don't have anything to give. So that was kind of where I came from. I'm like, well, make the product, make it the best you can, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. So got a couple of options with that. We'll see what happens. So how long have you actually been working on this material then for this hour that you've got coming up? Because I know people watch, say, Netflix, they'll watch a special, Mm. they'll see it for an hour, and they're like, oh, they just went up there and did that. And but you know, we both know, you know more than I do that it takes a lot more than that. And as a comedy fan, you know that you go to the open mic nights, mm-hmm. you play the clubs, you use different portions of bits. Sometimes you only get five minutes to work out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you do 15 minutes somewhere at a show or you get a feature somewhere and you can do a bit more material and you can work it out and then you cut it down mm-hmm. and it's your baby. And sometimes you don't want to do that and you lose bits here and there or you add to them obviously in shows and some things just happen off the cuff. So yeah, what's been your process to come to this hour that you're about to film? Um, this has been a really great process. I've been doing comedy in terms of stand-up for probably a no, yeah, a year and a bit now. Only a year and a couple. Uh, sorry, two and a, two and a bit years. Yeah. That's not two and a bit years. Um, and when I started it, it came from a space actually. I was very strategic, so I just moved to Sydney, and it was completely to follow um, acting and film and yep. all that kind of stuff, which I'm very passionate about and will always be very passionate about, and. From that, I'm, I guess, in essence, just passionate with performing and creating and collaborating. So I moved to Sydney. I had a very successful, like, fitness kind of career happening up in Mm -hmm. here in Brisbane and was at the point where I was turning away classes and turning away gyms. And then you go down there and, you know, again, it's a reputation-based industry. I knew no one. So I came to Sydney with uh, three waitressing jobs lined up, uh, a room that I kind of had agreed to off a Skype internet call. (laughs) Doesn't seem dodgy at all. Doesn't seem dodgy at all. Had no idea what my flat weights were going to be like. I had just no idea. And in my head I thought, okay, I, you know, the minimum term was like three months. So I thought you just got to stick it out for three months and then you can change that and what have you. So I rocked up. I had just come off, by the way, a couple of like a month earlier before I 
like I knew I was moving, but I, I really cemented it in on this trip to Europe. So I just spent all my savings on a trip to Europe. I'd come back, decided I'm moving to Sydney. I pretty much had a month to get everything together. And I thought, if I don't do this now, it's not happening. Yep. Because I was in Brisbane. I had an agent that didn't really support me, um, who kept saying all the right things that just didn't do it, just didn't push me in the right direction. And then I didn't feel confident in myself to push myself in the right direction. And I dabbled in bits and pieces, but was never of conviction because I just thought, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I got to a space where I thought I need to submerge myself in a scene, in an industry, and it's just not here. Yeah. And that was just the reality. And after we worked on a, a big movie together, actually, is where yeah. we kind of met. Where we met, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had some opportunity with that and I just missed out because I didn't fit the costume. That was like, you know, yeah. a moment of, okay, if I, I just had this moment of, if I actually had a name for myself, that wouldn't have been the reason. Oh, for sure. But that's what happens in the industry, you know, that's the film what happens industry. In the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of went, right, all right. So if I really want to take this seriously, I can't do it here. Mm. I just can't. So what I decide, well, I mean, you could, it just depends on what road you want to go down. Yeah, I didn't want to go down the, the YouTube, um, Instagram, like get known that way kind of route. Yeah, unfortunately, that has a bit of a play in the matters these days, like it, of people getting does. cast in bit roles and things like that with uh, Instagram following. But um, you got to work the game the way you got to work it, right? Got, and yeah, everybody's exactly. got a different lane and a way to do it and maneuver around it. So, yeah. Oh, and we could mention the big movie that we're talking about is Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> I don't think that's any secret. Like, the film's out, it's done. It's done. It, we're it, in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, Did you yeah, know that? That's right. As Guardians, right? As Guardians. Yeah. We, we could actually be Googled I, as part of the. Oh, yeah. I, Someone told IMDb, me. IMDb. Yeah, I know. People are like, oh, you're on that. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I'm um, like, yeah. We were way in the background, and I know for a fact that I didn't actually make any screen time, although people beside me, did but I was like I was on that for many hours and many it weeks, was amazing guys. that it was, was amazing. an awesome experience that was one of my best film experiences actually the amount of people that I met on that set mm. and connected with and then went on to actually work with down the track was it was amazing but plus the opportunity of working on that was cool and yeah you meet Chris Hemsworth and a few of the other ones and you see like they're just larrikins really yeah they're but, just uh, people yeah, yeah exactly but which is really refreshing to see because not all actors are like that but Mm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you moved to Sydney. I moved to Sydney and 100% all in and I shopped around for agencies and I went to interviews and some people said yes and some people said get more, you know, collateral behind you, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and I found this agent and I said to her, hey, I, because she was talking about doing, I'd already been, I studied at NIDA, uh, the screen acting, which is now I think a diploma um, thing that they've yeah. set up now. So that which was is that great. two years that two you did years, that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is where I met actually a couple of other friends of ours that some of them actually did Thor and everything. Anyway. Yeah. And it's hard to get into NIDA as well. Like you actually have to audition. You had to audition. It. We went through a process. It was a full day. Like it was full on for and everyone's eyeing each other off because everyone wants it, right? Everyone wants oh, it. Yeah. And it was and I, I like, I loved my time there. I absolutely loved it. I, that was, so I did that after I did my bachelor of photography degree, went down to Sydney, studied at NIDA, but I was young at the time, hated Sydney at the time. Yeah. I was doing a long distance relationship at the time. Like it was just messy, loved the study, 
hated where I was in life. Yeah, the timing of everything didn't work no, quite at that point I had in time. no confidence in myself to do anything. So even though I loved the study, I was getting amazing feedback. I had incredible tutors that were just like, like I, I had some amazing tutors that gave me the most incredible feedback saying like, you've got this. Like yeah. if you push, you're great. And I'm like, I can hear them, but I can't feel it. And when you can't feel it, it's like saying to someone like the idea of, um, going for a marathon, right? The idea of it is great, but if you have no passion and no heart to run, you are never going to do it. Yeah, well, it's connecting those two things together Yeah, is what really acting's all about as well, like actually being truthful to the characters and connecting within you through what you're trying to do hmm. and playing that on screen, but yeah. So, so I had the disconnect there. It was like yeah. I my heart and everything that I yearned for in terms of uh, entertainment, acting, creating, everything wanted it, but my head was like, you're not good enough. This is not good enough. You're not going to make it, that kind of thing. So it was a complete disconnect. Yeah. It ended up falling up, like relationship fell apart. I fell apart. I went back to Brisbane and rebuilt myself um, both mentally, physically, emotionally, everything, and it took years and it took time and I ended up getting into group fitness that way and it was the, the biggest blessing in the world because people who meet me now, I come off as a very friendly extrovert. I can talk to anybody, anytime, etc. If you met me back then, I was petrified to jump on a stage in front of people. Yeah. I've been told by one of my most dearest clients who's been following me since the beginning, she said, she tells everybody, she's like, if you met Anissa in the beginning, she looked at the floor the whole time and yeah. you could hardly no hear eye contact, her. No right? eye yeah. contact. Couldn't hear her on the mac microphone, like nothing. And everyone's like, no. Oh, well, stepping on stage <laughs> is, is another thing. That's been one of my biggest fears is like public yeah. speaking and stepping on stage and, and talking in front of an audience. Like never learned. Acting was, you know, for me, the stepping on stage and public speaking was a million miles step up from actually the acting thing, but the acting thing was a huge leap as well. Yeah. But um, so even without confidence, then that's a scary process. Oh. Even when you have confidence. Scary process. And I just thought to myself, like, if I can't conquer this, then there is no way I can conquer like the bigger dreams that I want yeah. for myself. Yeah. So it was the best place for me to start. It was probably the safest place for me to start. It was most challenging because when you're in a group fitness room, like they're all looking at you 100% of the time. Like every inch, every like every way you move, that's what they're, you know, essentially doing themselves. So it was a very big eye-opening experience to what is transferred. Mm -hmm. And that is essentially the same with like um, acting and, and stand-up and all this kind of stuff is like the energy that you absorb or um, expel to the audience is what they will also absorb and expel to you. So that was a great skill set that I learned I didn't realize, like in hindsight, it's like, oh my gosh, I like I did the most incredible thing to get me started in this way because I went to a space of having a stage with people, an audience who were showing up. Yes, they had like their expectation of what they were there for, but I could always add more. So it came to this space where I wanted to be entertaining. I wanted to be exciting for them. I wanted them to come back every day and every time that I was on the timetable. Yeah. And it took like time and years and sweat and tears and all that kind of stuff. But it got to a space where I was wanted and my classes were packing out and pe my clients were telling 
other friends to come and other friends to come. And it was just this incredible experience to the point where I got a comment once, oh, I got two comments from some clients saying, because I was just constantly trying to make them laugh. Because my experience in terms of the fitness and health industry was very different because I came from a, a background of being an overweight teenager struggling through that. I remember going to the gym and just being like, I'm going to stand at the back of the room and I hope that fitness instructor doesn't look me at all. Yeah. Like I'm invisible. And knowing that's where I started and then eventually traveling my way up the front of the room to the stage, I wanted to make the same experience for the person who's confident to be in the front row for the same experience for the person who's in the back row. Yeah. I want them to be feeling so included in the experience and through that, I found comedy was the way that I did that. So I started playing with things. Some things I pushed too far, some things, you know, and I got feedback on that. And I just found this beautiful safe space in creating something that I knew was difficult, that I knew was challenging, that I knew was quite confronting for people to walk in to see like a fitness instructor. At that point too, I was like started bodybuilding as well. And I knew that like muscle and lean and all this sort of stuff, like that's confronting to some people mm. who are just like, I'm just here so that, you know, I feel a little bit better about my week. Uh, so I used comedy as a way to really show that one, I'm not all that. Like I'm not this, you know, idealism that you see on the stage. I am human just like you and I have to go through this just like you. And then it sort of created this like harmony with everybody because it was like the mum standing next to the, you know, the businessman standing next to like the teenager and there's in their worlds, they would never collide, but in this room they do. So yeah. how can they be, you know, together as a team? Yeah. So I use comedy a lot for that. And so then, was that within your fitness classes, you using comedy? Okay. I mean, I've been so doing, I've been doing stand up, no yeah. joke, like in terms of everything, in terms of short jokes, in terms of short stories, mm. in terms of that, I have been doing stand up for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Just, just without a, the microphone in your hand, actually, they're trying to make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Just a different format. Okay. So that was in Brisbane. You were doing that and you built your confidence back up. Mm -hmm. And so you started to get more back into your acting at that yeah, point? Yeah, I started to get more back into my acting. And then we did Thor. And yep. so I just- that, that was 2015 or 16, I think. Shooting Thor. Because I think it got released in 2017. Yeah. It's 2016 then. Yeah. I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. And then I just remembered because I hadn't had that experience in a long time because I, I got some of that when I was in Sydney the first time. And then when I had that experience, I was like, oh, my God, this is what I live for. This is what I live for. And I knew that this was what I lived for because we were on set and it was one of those days, it was just a long day, and yeah. we were doing the same as thing. As they all are. As they all are, yeah. doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And I just heard this group of people like, in our extras sort of group, complaining. Yeah, you get that, yeah. They're like, From the oh. the part-time part extras, actors. Yes. Yeah. They're like, oh, do we have to do this again? <laughs> do we have to do this again? And it was getting on my nerves. Yeah. It was getting on my nerves to the point where I just went, I walked up to them and I said, I'm so sorry. They're like, what? What did we do? I said, I didn't realise you were a volunteer. Mm. You're getting paid to be here on a Marvel film. And you're not at your normal nine to five job. As, Quit complaining. Yep. As yeah. soon as I said that, the girl looked at me and she just, she was about, she, I knew she was just about, and then she went, fair point. Mm. 
And you also had that Asgardian warrior, warrior oh, yeah. uniform was on, I? which was I quite was... confronting. Because I remember seeing you before we met and you had the <laughs> coolest outfit on. Like, you know, people were in rags half the time. Some people got really cool outfits. It was kind of first in, first serve or who you were and how nicely you talked to the wardrobe department. Yeah. Some of it was set out before we got there. Yeah. But I remember you had the cool, like, shoulder pads and, you know, shoulder blade things going the on. Breast the breastplate. Yeah, the breastplate. <laughs> and you looked like a warrior goddess because you stood out, I remember seeing it before we met. And I always remember that. I kind of pitch you like that <laughs> I was doing this girl with breastplate and whip on yeah, set yeah 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 they, they <laughs> do things like that too yeah so that was a hilarious and I was the only girl with a weapon and yeah. I was just like this is so iconic like reflecting back again it was like that would had to be me yeah like I couldn't have the basket with the fruit in it that wouldn't oh like... uh, yeah I had a sword at one point and they gave it to the girl next to me I was Aww. like obviously you don't look like you're a warrior my friend <laughs> she's like holding a dad so oh, it was I think it was one of the stunt women, to be fair. But, okay, and well, there badass. we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she was protecting me, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we did that and I just went, yeah, this is where I need to be. Like I was just so energized and we were doing such big days and we were driving mm. back from the Gold Coast to Brisbane at like ridiculous times. Yeah. And I was just so pumped. I was so pumped to go to bed. I was so pumped to get back up again. I was so pumped to be there you on don't set. don't sleep, yeah. Like it was – everything and I was like this is what I love because that was a good I, I'm pretty sure it was only for around a three-month period almost like on and off weeks you know but yeah. for a majority of it would have been three three and a half months I think all up in the end yeah I did a I I know I did a solid six-month block uh, sorry, sorry, sorry six-week block yeah and then I had a, a couple of sporadic things but yeah, yeah it was on your mind for such a long period of time oh, it was awesome to be immersed in that for so long around that sort of people with your tribe, you know. Oh, I remember looking forward to driving down there every day. I was playing my tunes and just pumped Yeah, going down there, yeah, to set. And then you're like, i oh, leave. Oh, you know, you're going back there tomorrow. But when it finished, that, that sucked. And it just felt so right mm. that I walked away from that experience when it was over just going, oh, I need the next fix. Like what's the next fix? And to go back, and I love group fitness and it's, you know, it's something that I'm very passionate about to get people together to be able to do something that's healthy and exciting, not only from a space of being physical, but from a space of mentality as well. Um, to go back to that, I was like, oh, I love it, but I don't love it that much. Mm. It doesn't quite light that fire within you that you want to keep burning and, yeah. and just really I, fan I, the This flames. is a short time, not a long time yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I started thinking, how can I get out of this? Like, what can I start doing? And the thing was, I wasn't really voicing that I wasn't happy either. It was getting to a point, I love group fitness. Like I loved, because it was a chance also for me to play, like and entertain and support and take them on this journey. Like I actually would plan out my classes to a T that my mum wouldn't say, how was your classes? She was like, how was the shows today? Yeah. Um, she knew you were up there performing. Yeah, yeah. And she heard the feedback from people and how I changed their mind. And if I went away, it was like, oh, my gosh, it wasn't the same. Like, where were you? It yeah. wasn't the same without you. I'm like, you just like me because I entertain you. Yeah, because I don't think about exercise for an hour. I just get entertainment. I'm like, yep, that's what I plan on doing. So at some point there you started writing or creating your yeah. short film for Tropfest, which is where I feel is yes. the catalyst to you getting into the stand-up comedy and from the hustle that I've been watching is where it sort of progressed. And I, and I know the up. steps. I, I've, I've seen it, <laughs> but everybody else me? doesn't know. So yeah. you did your Tropfest film. Which I was, did my Tropfest film. And what that was was that came out of – that actually came out of a bit of spite. Um, I had like – 
met some people on Thor and there was this nice collaboration going. There was this couple of like, oh, let's do a Chopfest film, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like let's get Anissa on board, blah, blah, blah. And there was this lovely back and forth conversation. It was very free-flowing and then after the after we finished filming, there was like nothing I heard yeah. from none of them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe they've decided not to do it, which is not uncommon for people to talk the talk and not walk the yeah. walk. Yeah. And then I hopped on Facebook one day and there it's like, we're filming our Tropfest film, blah, blah, blah. Like, welcome, blah, blah, blah. Who's playing blah, blah, blah. I'm like. I think I know the ones you're talking about. <laughs> we, we, we won't speak <laughs> about that. Yeah. We won't speak about that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I thought that was my part. Mm. Okay, sure, sweet. I thought, hmm. And so you could get bitter and spiteful about this and you could, you know, huff and puff about it yeah. and bitch and moan, but what's what's the point? Like That's what's the outcome? negative energy spent where you could be focusing it and, and you putting would, it into something positive. Exactly, and you would never get the outcome that you desire, which is to create something. So exactly. why don't you just create something? Yeah. So I thought, okay, Trotfest was closing soon too. It wasn't a long time no. to get something in. And word for people that don't know, Trotfest is probably the biggest short film festival that's in Australia. It's in the world. And very, yeah, world-renowned, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the top ones. And so it's very hard to get into. It's, yeah, yeah. and it's very hard to get into. And it's, you know, they, I mean, like the judging I think is what makes it so controversial as well is because it's not necessarily the people who have the most professional uh, short film that gets yeah. through it sometimes more about the message or the impact that yeah. that message can create. So I knew knowing that they weren't looking potentially for people with big budgets to create something. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in with a shot here. I just need a really great concept. And I, it was about the time when like all the bachelor hype was coming up yes. and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, what, would be can't stand that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got its place. Yeah, it's got its yeah. place um, for people who don't have anything else to do. Yeah. Um, but that's another story. I kind of went into like, how can I utilize this cross culture? How can I utilize and kind of? I started like a lot of my work, and even in my comedy, is about flipping perspective. So I thought it looks like to everyone outside that these girls are so desperate for this guy, so unbelievably desperate mm. for this guy that they are willing to go on national television and essentially like fall in love with him over dates that have been manufactured by producers that he has had no input in whatsoever. That is not his personality, not his style, whatever. Like the whole thing, knowing from a film background, being a producer, how it works, mm. knowing how it works. I'm like, this is the biggest facade. No wonder people you know, don't stay together or whatever because they actually don't know each other. Anything that they've has been created. No, they typecast personalities that they want to put on the show that's going to aggravate a certain person, that's going to make for good TV. Yeah. That one probably not so much as some of the other ones like that have been in the past where they actually cast actors. They have them on the casting sites that mm -hmm. you and I are on and you see them come up and say, oh, my God, and I didn't actually, know that was fake. And they, what? And they put it down as a as a credit, and I'm uh, like, why did you why yeah why did you put that down as a credit? But um, <laughs> so, yeah, which I always find funny. So I thought, okay, I just don't like how this is going. Like we we typecast women, like we already we already in society just have decided that women are crazy, and now we're perpetuating 
that notion even further and higher. And I thought, how much does it break a woman? And I kind of reflected back. I'm like, what is the process to get into this thing? I'm like, there would be an, there would be an audition tape. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, in an audition tape, just like Instagram, just like Facebook, you only put the highlights, like you never put the lowlights. So I thought, what if you put an audition tape together that was the lowlights of the a woman, stuff. of a woman yeah, okay. applying for this, that yeah. she has got to that space in society's mind and eyes that she is like, I don't know, barren all of a sudden and she can never find a man and the only way she can possibly do it is to be chosen to have a shot with 20 other women on a reality TV show. Yeah. And that's where I came into Reality Check, um, which is my short film. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? And, and you could, oh, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> you can um, you can sit on YouTube, right? Is it still on YouTube or not? Yeah, Did no, you, it yeah, is. No, it's yeah. still on YouTube, yeah. So it, it basically from my memory is you're filming your audition tape, you have a bottle of wine in front of you and you're slowly but surely getting through that bottle of wine with everything else coming out and you're like going through the decisions of whether you should do this. Oh, what's the best parts? What's the not so best parts? Oh, this is about myself. And I don't know, do you end up in tears or not? And there's a bit where it's I get- It's more drunk tears, right? It's more drunk emotional tears. Emotional drunk tears. Emotional drunk tears. Yeah. But I think I make a really good point at the end um, about how much this image can really break not only women but like an identity, you know, to be this perfect idealism that needs- to be only seen in that light so that it's capable to have love because that's what we're doing. It's like, this woman is so perfect. She should be with this guy. No, 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 this woman is so perfect. She should be with this guy. Oh, this guy is so perfect. It's like, no, can we stop for a second? Can we replay this? You, We are getting to a space in society where the thing that we all desire the most, that we all think is so unbelievably precious, that's so unbelievably valuable, love. We talk about the love for our family, the love for our kids, the love for our partner. All I'm searching for is love, love, love. And now we're making it a joke. Mm. And for everyone else, amusement, yeah. Everyone else, amusement. And now all of a sudden our culture has changed to a point where we have dating apps and all this kind of stuff where everyone is perceived to be finding love, but they don't know what that looks like anymore. Yeah. Like when you have The Bachelor and things like that thrown in your face where girls feel like they have to, that we already feel like we compete. Like that's just female nature. Like we have to compete for the man. Um, then you put it in a space where you actually are competing for the man. And not only that, the whole nation of Australia is deciding whether or not you're good enough for that person. That's effed up. Yeah. Fudge bucket up. That's, <laughs> that's what that is. So I just wanted to kind of, and you know, like in my past experience being younger, that's I'm not immune to that either. But I've just grown up a little bit and gone, guys, I'm fudging awesome. So if if you want to make an effort, great. Yeah. And if you don't, great. Moving on. Yeah, well, it's 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 a funny thing. You touched on that a little bit with the relationships, is what I feel that it's kind of controlled by the dating apps and things like that. Now socially, uh everything is um sort of more it's easy to drop someone that you're dating and then go on to the next one. Now it's not as hard. You don't have to put so much effort in. You're swiping. It's just there. It's it's more disposable relationships than actual genuine relationships. A lot Dad, of the time that you come across. Have you been to a buffet? <laughs> yeah. Do you of course. do you stop? I was eating? in Vegas recently. That okay. was amazing. Can I say? Do you stop eating when you're full? 
No. Do you know why? I'll put weight on recently because of that. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Do you know <laughs> why? Now, Do you so know why? Because right. the buffet is there. Everything's there right out in front of you. The dessert straight away. You don't even need to eat first. You know Never what? Never your greens. I got this plate. Not really feeling it. I'm going to leave this plate here. Yeah. Someone else can pick it up. Taking a nibble out of it onto the next. Yeah. I didn't see it. Did, did, you, did you see that over there? I didn't see that. What's that? Oh, he's got reality check up there. Oh, wow. Awesome. So where can you can find that? Oh, it's on your website. It's there. on my website. So let people know what your website is because oh, that's yeah. where they can get oh, everything from. www.anisa.com.au. Pretty easy. There Pretty you go. Pretty easy. I'm sure Dan will put up my spelling. That's right. Um, but, yeah, that actually blew my mind, that short it got uh, several. Short. You got several ex- acceptance there into Pardon film me? festivals. I can yeah, see. I, I can't quite read all of them. Well, I got shortlisted for Trotfest. Yes. Yeah, so, did you make the last sixteen, or was it? Uh, I didn't. I just missed out, so I got the yeah. section before. Yeah. Yeah. Which so. is awesome. Thank you. It's really hard to get to that point as well, yeah. never alone actually making the film in general yourself. And that's the other thing I might add is that you did all that pretty much by yourself. I did everything myself. Someone helped you with the oh, edit and yeah. the soundtrack because um, I do remember that. A female was, friend of yours? Yes. Um, I was a little bit stuck on um, Maxine, Maxine, my friend. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit stuck on just I wanted this to be so right because I knew it was a great message. You had something there. I yeah. knew I had something there yeah. and I just knew that – Knowing that it was me in the film and knowing that I wanted to create a really great message, I thought I need another pair of eyes on this because I'm always going to see, as much as I can self-remove, it doesn't matter. I'm going to see me. Yeah. As much as I can self-remove and see the character, I'm still going to pick the thing that makes me in my eyes look like me. Yeah. Which is hard to get to that point too with looking at yourself on film, which is another thing you have to get over when you start acting as well and producing, you know, writing and everything. Everything. Reviewing yourself and taking a critical point. It's it's, it's a hard thing to get over. But once you get there, it's so so much easier to look at everything and you're just like, no, not that, not that. And people Mm. say certain things, you're like, oh, no, you're kind of saying that for a little bit of a bias because you know me and you Mm. want me to be happy with the answer that you're saying. Mm. Like you can be really real with it and and that's a great place to get to. (laughs) My favourite is when I hear actors go like, when they walk off and they say to someone like, was that shit? And they're like, no, no, you were great. They were great. No, 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 I know, I know it was bad. I know it was bad. Just say it was bad. No, no, it was great. I'm like, this is not helping either of you. Yeah. Growth, like it's how you grow yeah. is by learning from your mistakes, obviously, in life and with creating as well. Yeah, so I knew that, like, I could not get the authentic story that I wanted out, so I need another pair of eyes. And Maxine is an incredible editor. She's over now in Canada, and that's what she does, um, which is fantastic. Yep. And I was so honoured and blessed to be working with her in such a way. And um, just also like her edit would be different to my edit. edit. Yeah. And like her, what she found funny, what I found funny. And it was kind of this beautiful collaboration marriage of what ended up being the end product, which I was. find the synergy in between. Yeah. And it, it just, it's. It's one of the things, it's one of the films I am I almost most... want to see you with that bottle of wine at oh, the end. My favourite is when I, like, get drunk and I lift my shirt up and... You're and like, I, Woo! Yeah, I, I vaguely remember this years ago. I think I turned it. into a Tyrannosaurus Rex at one point. Um, <laughs> it's, got a couple, it's got a couple of thousand views, so please watch it. Yeah, 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 watch it. It's good. It's good for watch. How long is it for, what, five minutes on a Tropfist? Six, uh, six, six I think minute it's max, six right? and a half. Yeah, yeah seven minute max. 
Uh, yes. And there's like Chopfest is amazing. If anyone can go, it's incredible. Yeah, I've never actually been. I'll have to. It's the biggest short film festival in the world. Like yeah. I'm talking fa- like thousands of entries actually um, across the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like most short films, even the little ones like come in. You know, from all over the world as well, mm. like especially to Australia because it's like it's like the little America, kind yeah. of. In a in a in a way, it's a little bit behind the times with America, but it's really right up there, even to the point where America references it in nearly every other film that you see out <laughs> these days. Although yeah. they mimic the terrible accent sometimes, like and I mean their terrible accent of trying to do the Australian Australia one, which is yes. not. Not easy. G'day, you uh, mate. Oh, God, there you go. <laughs> G'day, you mate. But, yeah, so you made That's that film. That's not a knife. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'll show you a knife. Um, so you did that Ooh. and you you got to the point you did with Troll Fest, which is amazing. And this is not too far before you ended up moving, but you started the web series. Elizabeth yeah. Dawson, right, from the character you created within that short film. Yeah. So this progression creatively, once again, doing a lot of it yourself. Yeah. So that's what – how many episodes did you have of the web series? I think I did six. Yeah. Yeah. And that came from a space of uh, not – I think people have this idea too these days. It's like you've got to create for clout. You've got to create for views. You've got to create yeah. for lights. You've got to create for this. And I – knew that that was a trap that creatives fall into. I think I everybody knew, falls into that oh, with social as, media the way it some, is these days. Point, I've been guilty of it myself. At some point, like I love a selfie, yeah. <laughs> shoot me, um, but don't because I love my face. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just found that I was very aware of creating, not getting feedback, like because when you create and you put it out there, you do get feedback. So mm-hmm. there is this opportunity to get better and I knew that doing the series was not going to be like you know a viral sensation or anything like that it was simply an exercise for me to follow through on creating consistently yep. and seeing it through to the end and seeing it through to the end because I meet so many creatives and I, I get lost in that sometimes or I never wanted to get lost in that where I meet amazing like brilliant creators but they don't have the work ethic so the they're drive, like yeah. they're like oh my god I'm gonna start this oh my god I'm gonna start that oh my god this is amazing oh my and you can see the glimpse of whatever they're trying to create and I'm like yes that is going to be so good and then all of a sudden I talk to them again you know catch up how's that oh no nah, I didn't start it yeah work got in the way I got a girlfriend I got a boyfriend this happened that happened and then it just falls on the wayside and all of a sudden you've fallen out of love with the creative passion that you had you're like, and you're oh, living that normal life that you dreaded before I'll just become a sheeple like it was it I was very wary of that yep. so I decided I didn't really know anyone in Sydney at that time like I was still building networks and I didn't know where I fit and it was that point that I'd also started dabbling in stand-up and I thought, okay, I'm going to create this series so that I can learn from myself. Yep. And I can follow through on a character and I can edit and I can, you know, go from A to B and try and create something as a body of work because that's what I was kind of used to that from doing photography, you know, studying at art college and creating my um, pieces and my series and, and cutting down and chopping and changing and having to shift direction, all that kind of stuff. So I was very wary of how that work ethic looked, uh, but to create it in such a way of film, knowing that I had something with the character because the character was doing well, like yeah. the character was great. People 
that they were getting something from watching it. Yeah, they, they yeah. were getting emotionally invested in the character. Yeah. yeah, I had lots of people message me going, I want to see more of her. And I yeah. thought, okay, let's try that. Yeah. You know, it's like I watched back on some of it recently and, you know, it's not the greatest. I had concepts written out for everything. It's not a set out script format because of the timing I had. I was working so many jobs just yeah. to get into my feet, trying to build my reputation of group fitness because I wanted to go back to that because I knew it. So it was really easy for me to then do again. And I was in that space. So I was just kind of like, okay, what time do I have? How much time do I have? What can I create? I had my beautiful co-producer, Nicole, and great friend uh, come on board and sort of help me with bits and pieces and give me some feedback and would watch the, the edits and would ask me the tough questions like what message are you trying to get through this episode? What are you trying to get through this episode? And even though it's comedy, it's very light. It's pretty much a, a date, a how to dating app, how to dating app series really yeah. from a single person that is very unsuccessful in the dating app series. <laughs> like just always uh, hilarious. It's to just watch. always hilarious to watch. I'm sure people see themselves in there a little bit. You know, oh, we've yeah. all done it before. We've oh, all yeah. had the hilarity of that. And that's what makes a uh, good stand up too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of did that as a way to explore that. And I'm so grateful I did because it's a body of work that even now, again, it doesn't have the views or whatever. I don't care about that. No, it's something you did that it. I, you saw it through to the end, yeah. the creative process, and you have an end product that you can be proud of. Yeah, and, and you if, put out there for people to watch. And I put out there, and it's yeah. entertainment, and yeah. I can't be more proud of myself for doing that process. So that's kind of that. And yeah. you took a lot of it on yourself. So that's that's a huge thing. And that's the one thing about the film industry that's amazing when you're creating with a whole bunch of people and you come together and you're using different creative personalities and the way they see it and that's creating art and that's mm. an amazing thing. But also the flip side of that is having to depend on certain people to come through with certain processes of, say, sound or edit, which people wouldn't know with. In the background, there's maybe a set with two actors, but there's could be 10 other people behind mm. them plus or less sometimes you're working with the skeleton crew is generally the is how it goes in the indie game. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they fall off last minute or the gear doesn't come through or this and that, and you got to roll with the punches when you're doing the indie circuit. It, yeah. It just That's the way it goes. But, yeah, so you created that. You did your web series. And you were yep. still in Brisbane at that point, right? The whole thing was created in Brisbane. No, that was, that was in Sydney. Okay, it so, was. So, yeah, I moved. I You did a few episodes here, though, didn't you? Because you had, like, Mikey Wolf on and – no, I, I did hear, I did, that was with my uh, beginning of my podcast. I had him on. Oh, that was more, oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, the they were little, series, they yeah. were like, so I did little scenes. Yeah. So I wanted initially before I left, because I, again, I was trying to figure out how could I possibly get stuff up and running and I hadn't worked out kind of before I was leaving, if I wasn't, if that was even a thought process in my head. Again, I was still in that space of I'm scared to to do this, but I really want this. Yeah. And I thought, how can I get um, what I want out of the experience, which is new show real stuff essentially, okay, and yep. get other people on board as well. Yep. So I wrote these little scenes from this character's perspective, and I thought, okay. and I thought this would be great because what I can do is I can get amazing creatives who, you know, haven't had the opportunity to get you know, more playtime, so to speak, together and we'll just keep it like simple two-shot, maybe wide shot, that kind of thing, and I can edit it together and give them an opportunity to have a scene. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So I did a couple of those actually, which yeah. was great. And then it just came down to like timing and, and people not being available. And then yeah. obviously I decided to move. Okay. So the, and more you elaborated on that with the web series afterwards, is that right? Or is that, mm. that was all included? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you did that in Sydney as well. And yeah. then, so weird stand up comedy come into all of this? Because <laughs> I feel like it's developed from that. Because what's your, you might as well say now, what, what's it called? Your special that you're, well, oh, what's, what's yeah. the show called? My show is called Dear Future Ex-Husbands. There you go. <laughs> it was very strategic. Did very Alyssa, strategic. did, you know, Alyssa, did Anissa come up with that? Or is that no, more Elizabeth Dawson sort oh, of? No, I, oh, no. Oh, I see what she's saying. Yeah. Uh, so that trying was, to say. That was it. Initially, my first stand-up gig actually was at the semi-pro show, and I didn't know this. And I wrote it, I wrote it as Elizabeth Dawson. Okay. Because I hadn't quite figured out where I would sit in comedy. And the reason why, this was before I even started open mic. Yeah. Like this was, I just kind of went like, how did I get this gig? Because there were some amazing, I think, actually Becky Lucas was headlining that one. So I was like, I no one knows me. How did I get? Five minutes. like Yeah, that's pretty awesome to get because even open mic nights are hard to get uh, into, especially yeah, there. Yeah, so it was at a place called Friend at Hand, which I really enjoy and love in terms of a venue, and I will be the back there soon. Um, so, yeah, I just don't know how, I, how that happened. I think it was a great taste. So I ended up getting some great feedback, and I got great laughs, which was fantastic. So and was I, that off the cuff where you did develop some no, material I wrote, for that? No, I wrote a whole thing. It's, like I went yeah. actor's approach on that yeah, and wrote yeah, a whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And I loved it, and I thought, this is fantastic. Like this is an opportunity because this is how, again, I am so – entrepreneurial mindset. Like I've got a few things going on. I, I run a few businesses and I'm always very wary of, of, there's the creative, which is fantastic. But if you can match the creative with the entrepreneur or the business, boom, magic happens because what the creative lacks, which is usually work ethic, the entrepreneur can pick up yep. and what the entrepreneur lacks, which is usually like out of the box, quick thinking, the creative can can pick up and what, and they would play off the back of each other. And what I found I was doing for such a long period of time was again, that comes from my childhood, but I thought I had to separate both of them. So I had to be either creative or I had to be the entrepreneur. I couldn't be both. And when I came to Sydney, I thought I am, I am putting myself on the line here. I'm packing up a car. I'm putting everything that I possibly own. I'm driving it down. I actually was leaving the car back up in Brisbane for my brother and sister. So I didn't have a car essentially as I get started. How I don't have money. I'm doing waitressing jobs to get by. Uh, How can I possibly get more experience in my field that I want to be doing, which is acting with no money? Yeah, especially trying to set yourself up in Sydney in another place is, is a hard task when you don't know a lot of people as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it just so happened that just before I left, I think it was the week of my last classes, set of classes or the week or two before, one of my clients who was a very regular client of mine came every week without fail, was like always there on time, never spoke to me. When I said that I was moving, said, are you going to try stand-up in Sydney because you should be doing stand-up? And I was like, oh, no, that's that's a silly idea. That's a what? far-fetched statement. <laughs> what? And I thought, oh, 
that's not a bad idea. And then it so happened that the same week, another one of my clients at a boot camp that I ran uh, said to me, you know what, as much as you've got dad jokes, they're pretty funny. You should do stand-up. It's like, what's going on? Then the same time that week, I think it was on the weekend or something. I was just with friends and I'm like, I was just being my normal self. I like to be funny in conversation. It's just something that I think I developed from very like high school years and that kind of thing. Like that's how people like you, be funny. Yeah, defense mechanism defense, sometimes yeah. as well, yeah. So I was at this thing and I was chatting away and there was a girl that didn't really know me. It was a friend of a friend. And she goes, you're so funny, you should be a comedian. And I didn't think any of those like I didn't think any of those statements. Like that I didn't was even think about it. That was just three times just before. Everything happens in threes, and that's the rift in the space-time continuum. And I came to Sydney, and I thought, I have no money. How can I possibly perform? How can I get feedback? How can I write and do it all for free? Over mic. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Over mic. Yeah. Over mic. So I again I. I actually, I'd hope they don't mind me name dropping. Oh, actually, I won't name drop. I'm not that person. Uh, you can name drop. It's okay. <laughs> no. It's a boost the podcast up a little no. bit. We should add this is the first episode that Lisa <laughs> is gracing us with her presence. Yeah, there'll be like 25 more of just me on this podcast. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm it's coming fine. back. Uh, I actually messaged a well-known Australian comedian who I knew did stand up in Sydney and I asked them, like, where's the, I'm so new to Sydney, I'm just moving, um, where would be the best stand-up spots, et cetera, not thinking that they would actually message me back. I was yeah. just putting it out there. I was doing my research. There were so many that I could see that I didn't, but I, didn't, I wasn't in, so I didn't know. And I went to a couple of open mics and, and everything and I just didn't really know where would be a good place to start because, again, I'm always strategic. I'm like, I want to learn. I don't want to be there because I'm going to get like a friendly clap from people who yeah. are, I want to learn. And that person told me Mike in hand and I was like, okay, cool. So I messaged Mike in hand and applied through their thing and they looked me up and they found my short film. Of course they did. And they were like, you know, we'll give you five minutes. Here's a bottle of wine on entry. <laughs> what can you do? And they're like, no, 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 we did research on you. We did research. I was like, okay, cool. Because I was like, yeah, this that's, is. Yeah, that's awesome. So is, it, is that quite a renowned club in Sydney for open mic nights? And It's known. Yeah. It's known. Yeah. It has like headliners yeah. that are paid. You know, like, yeah. So for those, we should, I should probably say, for those of you who aren't in uh, the comedy world, and particularly with stand-up, you have free open mic rooms, mm -hmm. which is usually like four or five-minute sets. And that's still hard to get into. And that's hard to get into yeah. because it's not – there's only a couple of places now that usually do sign-ups yeah. on the night. I don't know what it's like in Brisbane. You have to call through, as I will tomorrow, <laughs> and you have to go on the phone and you've basically got five minutes to try and get through or you've lost all the spots. Really? So you're on, you're on, you're not on hold. You're on, it'll just cancel out. You just keep calling, cool, 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 yeah. cool. And if you're not really in within the first two minutes, you're not going to get a spot. Yeah. Because they do it in tiers of about four or five, and starting off in certain groups is about two spots. Um, say like new, uh, what what's New Market Hotel was it? Yeah, and Waterloo just down the road, which is yeah. where I made my 
comic debut. Oh and yeah, when do they? When do they? Stones Corner. That is like. It, when do they do open mics? Yeah, it was. When, well, when did they all? No, that was literally. We should go do one tonight. The third time. Oh, when is it? Monday nights is Newmarket, I believe. It was a. Was it a Thursday night? Call out someone and be like, he's, he's hey, going to look I'm it up gonna, for us now. Let's let's do this yeah. because I thought, uh, we, I thought we weren't allowed to uh, mention I'm, I'm our refer- side guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got we, a we side guy, guys. By, yeah, he's just side guy. Side guy. He's both of our side guys. Side guy, is he, he's amazing. He does the Googling. <laughs> yes, he does. Side guy, I think we should go out and do stand-up It'd be week. awesome, but that's this is what I'm getting at. They book <laughs> it in three weeks in advance. So if I called up tomorrow, I'm likely to not get a gig till the end of January, maybe early February would wow. be the first dates, unless that's when you're starting off. But when you're in the other tiers of the group, they already know you from going up. Yeah. Then you get, you got the option of probably about three or four places, different spots, but mm-hmm. it fills up so goddamn quickly. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that it's quite that's the process here anyway at yeah. with the sit down comedy club. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, it is quite hard. I think it's only just starting back up this week or next week. So yeah, those spots I'm sure will be filled, but who knows, you could say and this bee's coming. <laughs> Guys, I sold What's out up? Sydney Comedy Festival last yeah. year. Well, the, like, well, there you go. I think you funny. just kind of name dropped a little bit there. <laughs> um But yeah, so okay, and you yep, the mic the what's it called again? Sorry, the Sydney Club. Uh, there's Friend in Hand. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, and then I did that, and I thought I kind of liked it, and I enjoyed that experience, and I got you know the feedback, and I thought I really I like this, but I don't like it how I did it. Okay. So it was a different experience again uh, because I already done. I had just to backtrack a little bit. Mm. I. Developed Elizabeth Dawson into actually a, sh- a short and sweet. That's what we did miss out. And yeah. No, no, it's all good. Short and sweet film, uh, short, short and sweet, sweet theatre festival. Yeah. yeah, stage play. Yeah, which was a one woman show once <laughs> again. So that's the third tier <laughs> I, of development. I get, thank you. <laughs> thank you kindly. I think it just came down to the fact that I learnt very quickly that I was serious about this game and I didn't know anyone that was as serious as me. And that, that, and I don't want to throw shade on anyone, yeah. but it just came down to that fact. No, you always stood out as a hard worker, even in the early days of me actually meeting you. I could see that straight away. I was like, I'm going to keep an eye on her. <laughs> keep an eye on her. Where's she going? What's she doing? Yeah. Uh, so I did that, and that did well, and uh, got people's choice for that. And then did that okay. in Sydney that as well. I did not know. So there yeah, you go. Well, I, got, I may have known and forgotten because there's so many accolades coming good. in at the moment. Okay. <laughs> it, it'll, these things I know will mean more to me than my Oscar is yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. I like how you're putting that out there in the <laughs> stratosphere right now. Oh, that's what I'm aiming for. It's not necessarily the Oscar in terms of the trophy. It's what that Oscar the in terms of. critical acclaim that can come from. Yeah. yeah. So that's, there you go. Everyone knows now. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm reverse engineering. <laughs> but you've got to, if you don't, if you don't dream big, if you don't go to that next level, you will, you will never get halfway. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you don't go out of the stratosphere for this, you are not even going to get off the ground. Swinging for the fences. Amen. Can't, Amen. Yeah, if you don't swing for the fences, you may never hit that home run. Mm-hmm. You're just bunting to first. What's that going to do? Exactly. And what happens if you miss first? Yeah. Yeah. You strike out, you come back, you learn from it, you grow, and then you come back again. If you're, if you're determined. That's right. And not many people are. Yeah. So I did the short and sweet, and that was great, and I got amazing feedback for that, and I kept rewriting that and rewriting that, and then that's kind of how Elizabeth Dawson, in terms of her character, got created. Yeah. And then 
I did this open mic and I did it as Elizabeth. Uh, not open mic, but at this comedy show and I did it as Elizabeth. And I walked off and I'm like, I don't want to be Elizabeth on stage like mm. that. That was just didn't, it felt good to produce my work, but it didn't feel good to be that person. And it was a specific character. And I'm like, I don't want to be that on stage. You want to find your own true self up on that stage. I wanted to be the crazy group fitness instructor. Yeah. Like not in terms of group fitness, but in terms of the essence of what I did in group fitness, I wanted to bring that to, to comedy. The stage, yeah. yeah. So I. Back to the notebook. Back to the notebook, back to square one. Yeah. Because I didn't know who this person was. I didn't know what I looked like in stand-up. I didn't know what I, you know, how to explore that. And I was very lucky that I contacted, because someone said to me, jump on, you know, a Facebook group, like Open Mic Sydney or whatever. And I got accepted into that and I got to see all the open mic rooms. And again, it's all sign up before. And I did that. And there was a particular room called Magic Mike. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now it's getting interesting. Yeah. And run by Anthony Skinner. Hey, Skinner, you shout out to you. He's a big player. There He's we a, go. He, he'll love that. He'll be like, yeah. First shout out on the uh, podcast. Anthony Skinner. Anthony Skinner. And um, he started Magic Mike and kind of just, I guess it just, it was a, like, it felt like a safe and warm place for people to play. Like it was really good. And, and rocking up being the only girl there, like sometimes several weeks in a row. Okay, and 15 comics, 10 comics. Yeah, about 15 or yeah. so. I, and also <laughs> coming from a space of judging me, like there's a comic on the scene who's a good friend of mine now who said like, when I met you and you said you're an actor, I was like, oh. Another one. None of them, like, watch her disappear. Yeah. Watch her disappear. And I was like, no, motherfucker, I'm here. This. No. Yeah. Sorry for swearing. But, no, um, it's, it's welcomed. It's welcomed. It's, it's fine. Uh, anyway, and now he's like, you'll, he's, he's mentioned to me several times, he's like, you're like the coolest chick I know. Like, you just, <laughs> you get in there, you give it, like, you're always there to support one another. I'm, I don't understand this competition that exists in the creative world because the whole purpose of being creative is that you have something unique and a vision and an idea and a way of producing that is so unbelievably you that you want to share because no one can do it like you. So there should, there's, there's space for everyone. Yeah. Therefore, there's like space. The only person you really should be competing with is yourself. Exactly. To get better. To get better. Every single time. But there's this competition that exists. And I, I get it. In entertainment, everyone wants to be on top. Everyone wants to be top dog. Everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to be heard because it is their work. Mm. I just hated it and I didn't really want to buy into it. Uh, so I met some amazing comics and some of them like uh, my opener, Sam Menzies, who's incredible and a really fantastic and amazing friend of mine. And I'm so excited to go on tour with him this year. Uh, he was one of the people that was like pretty much when I sort of voiced my, you know, again, I'm building myself back up as a person and I'm very new to the scene, like disgruntled concerns about like, oh, what do I really fit? Like, what do I need to do? And all the, I don't like, I don't know if I want to play that game. And he's like, fuck them. Just yeah. do you. Yeah. You do you. He's like, it sounds stupid and bizarre and what everyone puts on Instagram. But he's like, honestly, you do you, you'll find your audience. I was like, okay. So I played and he challenged me to play, which, you know, is great. And we've had great conversations about work and writing and, and his work as well and, 
just we never tell each other what to write or what to say or concepts. It's more we will always challenge each other's with questions and where we want to take things and what's the integrity of things and why do you want to say this. Yeah, um, to just explore the themes f- further with what you're trying to say yeah. and seeing it from another's perspective, obviously, with like showing someone your work with the film as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I came from a space of like having all this input from, you know, from what I gathered from group fitness and what I gathered from theater and what I gathered from film and, and dancing for so many years as well. And I had this idea of a stand-up show and I thought no one's going to see this coming. Which is the best part. <laughs> Which is the best part. Shock awe. And I needed, I knew I needed an opener and I knew exactly who I wanted. I knew I wanted Sam. And by then I had started to be very strategic with, and I'm not saying this is for everyone because there's this methodology in some people's head, which I totally get and I understand to a point that if you're not going to open mics like every day, every night, two times a night, three times a night, if you're not making your whole week around open mics, then you're not a comedian. Mm. You're not doing it. Essentially what I learned from that was I need to practice often. It's like working out in the gym. Yeah. What I think a lot of them didn't know that I was doing already was I was practicing often. I was practicing more than they were. Yeah. Because I get to do one minute, two minute, three minute, four minute, five minute, 45 minute sets in front of an audience. And is this the fitness class is what you're saying? Yeah. Six times a day. You take it wherever you can. I I remember hearing a podcast with uh, Joey Diaz and Joe Rogan and they were talking, well, Joey Diaz was mainly talking about it at a point where he was coming up and he was always, he was going to, they were doing karaoke nights and he had signed up for the karaoke nights and he would just (laughs) rock up there and start doing comedy and everybody's like, what the is going on? We're here to watch karaoke or someone singing he'd just keep going and people would throw food at him or whatever but it's just a spot it's a chance to get up with a mic with an audience and that's what people don't understand is when you're working out your material you need that audience you can't do it in front of a mirror at home you can try but it's not going to work right what are you going to do make yourself laugh like you're feeding off the audience they're feeding off you you need to see what works and you're working it out for yourself and that's what comes with those open mic nights early on which of course you know and it comes to getting those bits that actually work and you know you throw this out you put this in you add that tag in whatever you're trying to do and that's where you come up with your routine exactly and yeah so so I got to refine and really decide concepts in the way of saying things and testing different words and that kind of thing. Obviously not swear words or, or PG-13 yeah. plus, yeah. you know, that, that repertoire. Boring comedy. Um, <laughs> but I was in a space of rehearsing regularly and frequently and just because I wasn't, I was being so meticulous as to which rooms I went to and why I went to them and when I was doing them. I was challenged several times on like, you know, I haven't seen you in weeks. Where have you been? I'm like, well, I've been working my butt off. And then I do a set. Oh, that was a great set. Haven't heard that one. Yeah. So you were going around. How many comedy clubs would you say you were doing with the open mic nights? Like how much have you got available to you there? Oh, tons. I must admit Sydney's like there's a couple too that have opened up and a couple of friends of mine have now started running rooms and things yeah. like that. And it's really exploded in that way. Like if you want to do comedy in Sydney, there is absolutely no way unless, unless you are 
so unbelievably terrible that you have run through every room and no one, no room runner wants you back. Yeah. But by the time you've run through every room, surely you have something. You've got better. Yeah. You've you've got five minutes there that work. Yeah. Um, You found your crowd. So there's this beautiful uh, opportunity that comes to open mic and being able to do comedy in Sydney, which is fantastic. And, you know, and the better you get at it and the more people get to know you and that kind of thing, you get to have more opportunity with that because room runners obviously want to create a good room, even though you do want open micers on. And again, it's one of those things where people don't, the audience don't get to think about it, but the room runners have to, you know, if you're doing an open mic, you need to make sure you have essentially some pros testing new material. You need to have some newbies and you need to have some that are kind of midway in the game because that makes a great show. Because if you had all first timers, first timers in a show and people are coming to sit, you wouldn't, you'd lose an audience after the first two people. You wouldn't yeah. have anybody in there. Yeah. You'll be surprised here. The first time I went up was um, was a bunch of, like I, it was my first time I was up and I got put up first as well Ooh. to open the show. Yeah, it was, it was Tristan was there su- supporting me. Um, and that was when the Waterloo was the second night they'd ever done it there. Mm. And there was, there was, a decent one because we went the first oh no sorry it was the third and we went to the second one and there was probably what maybe 15 people the first time and then mm. the second time was probably maybe 20 25 that's awesome yeah no it was a good turnout for a, for the second or oh, third time in the room yeah but yeah there was a few people up there and I was and I'd been working on my material before for months beforehand because I'm not going to go up there with nothing I've yeah, got okay. things that I'm going to go to yeah, 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 if, yeah. if it doesn't go well but the problem was for me was trying to find what I wanted to put and cut what I didn't want mm-hmm. to go up there with. Mm-hmm. And for me, the comedy that I really enjoy and that I love is the storytelling, mm-hmm. the long-winded stories, which doesn't always work with every room or anything. Mm-hmm. It's more, which I learned after the second time I went up. <laughs> um, but the first time was, was mine. I, I basically had like a seven-minute little set, mm. but it was all one story. And I had to cut it down to you get four five minutes, six minutes per se, you could say. Yeah. And I did it I right on the time and it's all like a, a funny like sex story that I sort of had that I met through a chick in the acting class and it went to this stage and just the hilarity of things staying with the mind playing off of things going on in the situation, you know. And yeah. I got a little animated. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it was – I had – there was three occasions when I went up and the MC was laughing the, hardi- the hardest. I yeah. had him like – there was three that I distinct – because you just hone in, you've got that light so – Bright, on, Bright you. on your face. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, oh, shit, I don't even know what I'm going to, if I'm going to be seeing people's faces, what's going to yeah. go on. Because I was petrified of speeches at school. I did not want to really? go up. So the the turn that I've come from doing acting and then comedy and stuff. So this was like a kind of bit of a final frontier for me, yeah. going up on stage, trying to be funny, which yeah. is another thing itself, other than just talking in front of people and, and all with the mic. It's not even that too. It's the fact that people are there and their intention of being there is make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah, like um, you're, you're entertaining me. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so I did my long-winded story and, you know, I got a few laughs, mainly the MC was laughing. Like, not huge. Like, I didn't kill nothing like that, but I didn't bomb. But, um, yeah, I think I remember a few of the moments where the loud, more louder than the laugh was the... <sighs> 
because they couldn't believe what the hell I was saying and what was coming out of my mouth. I had them, it's what he said, he was watching. Sideline side guy. Oh, oh, Sideline guy yeah, is like smiling, smirking. Yeah. Like and that. that's what the, the guy was running the show from the sit down comedy club, which was, you know, doing the time and everything and doing the intros. Apparently he said he, he had a smile on his face the whole time because he's just like, oh shit, like here we yeah. go. And, um, but yeah, there was one like real, like, you know, quite rude sort of crude thing that I like was saying. And sure. it just, I remember hearing the whole audience go, like you could hear that through the, but everybody do it at the same time. So it was more suspense. I had them in suspense the whole time. I was like, what's the crazy shit going to say next, you know? And I found out the second time I went up, which that was all a bunch of beginners, basically. Mm. Um, and there was maybe a few guys that had done it regularly further on later in the night, you know, just to get everyone up. But this, the second time was... I had went up third and I had to follow, it was all experienced comics and I right. was the beginner and I had to follow a kid that was very flamboyantly gay and he had Asperger's. Right. And so he had, yeah, he had a lot of material to pull from and he killed. Wow. And I had to go up after him. And I changed my act at this point. I did about three like minute and a half kind of bits um, to try and see how that would work. Yeah. And yeah, well, I did. I, I was more confident up there the first time than I was the second because that was a huge contrast of changing of to go to that. And yeah, I found a lot out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to rework this material. I need something. I was trying to run before I could walk, per mm -hmm. se, with mm -hmm. the long winded stories. I hadn't earned that time yet of the people mm -hmm. to laugh with me the whole way through because with the story, you know, which comes with being an experienced comic, mm -hmm. I need something short and punchy at the start for the first couple mm -hmm. of minutes to get them on my side and then can go into the story kind of thing. But yeah. that was my experience anyway. But continue with your story. I just sort of got a bit sidetracked I, I just wanted there. to reframe and sort of say on this yeah. podcast for anyone that's listening is that I'm not an experienced comic yet. Like, yes, I've been doing this for over two years, yeah. but in my opinion, I am still a beginner. Like yeah. there is, I have had the opportunity to meet and be on stage actually with people who are eight years plus in the game and that is next level. Oh, yeah. And that is experience yeah. and that is knowing how an audience moves and just being able to like just use them like puppet strings. It is, it, it's like a conductor. It's beautiful to watch and it's hilarious to listen to. But yes, so just so everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is me. But I'm still humble in knowing doing that. Doing well I'm to have an hour worth of material and like you kind of hinted at so subtly before that you have sort of another almost yeah. hour of repertoire, you know, yeah. like, like sitting there behind. So that that's awesome. But yeah. So you, you were working your bits five minutes at a time. Were you getting little feature gigs here and there where you could do 10 to 15 were you to work out your I bits was, a bit longer? I was really lucky that I think a couple of people kind of saw what I was trying to achieve. Yep. And I would get laughs, but it was also the difference between an open mic room and then going into more like your, your semi or your next space up uh, where like a headliner gets paid and yeah. you do your like the and five minute warm bringing you on to yeah. open up, yeah. Um, is that like an open mic is only ever going to be, unfortunately, but true. But people who have just dropped in because they're like, I've got time to waste and I'm just going to sit here or it's a friend of one of the comics or friends of one of the comics. So they're always going to be biased towards who they're there to support which is fine <laughs> and that's how people should support one another but it's never a good indicator of your audience because your audience and I was reading um, Audience of One which is a fantastic book and I highly recommend it for any creative it's 
and it talks a lot about writing for the audience of one, which is you. Because if there's someone like you, if there's you, then there's someone like you. And that someone like you has someone like them, et cetera. So you will find your audience, yeah. but you have to write for the audience of one. And there was a period when I first started where I wasn't, I didn't really have my feet in comedy. I didn't really know, and still it's going to grow and develop. And I actually know what my fourth show is. <laughs> I'm that far in advance. I actually know what that looks like. And I know how I want to conduct myself in that show. And I know as a comedian and as a entertainer, I am not at that skill set level yet, which is why I've reverse engineered it. But, uh, that was really important for me to know what I want to look that to look like. But when I first started out, I don't know what I look like as a comedian. I know what I look like as an actress and I know what I look like as a filmmaker. I know what I look like as a photographer. I know what I look like as a dancer. But when I'm in a new environment like this, I don't know where my feet is. And when you talk about stand-up and it's sometimes I think some people get caught up with, oh, this is that person. No, no, no. In stand-up, you are either a heightened version of yourself or you are actually a character. Yeah. People don't understand that. It's yeah. the stuff that we write this stuff the way that we write it because part of us wants to say it in and a public. Break out. It because we wouldn't say it yeah. in a public it's, setting. It's there a would space be no where need. You, you would be judged on several occasions, but at this point, it's okay to say these things from this different viewpoint yeah. of the world. If you if you had the need to say it in any other setting, then you wouldn't be saying it on a stage. You'd just be that person yeah. out in life. Yeah. But you know, people are strategic in that way in terms of entertainment, and that's why we do the stand up the way that we do it, and that's why we have the discussions the way that we have the discussions. Like when you talk to stand up comedians after you know, shows and whatever, they'll, some people even get disappointed because they're like, oh, that wasn't that person on stage, you know, yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, I was expecting that 24-7. Yeah, 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 and it's n n not that way. It's like asking, you know, a, I don't know, it's like asking a wrestler, like a WWE wrestler to be on all the time. Mm. Like you're ready for this choke slam? Or no, it's just not how it works or even like, you know, even to ask a doctor to be on all the time, there's a reason why they go home to their families and they be someone else. Like you can't ask that of people. And sometimes I think audiences can get caught up with that is that person and that is what they're saying and that's what they believe. And sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes we write it because it's fucking funny. Mm. Just needs to be said. Just needs to be yeah. said. Yeah. Like, like if you're someone who's like, oh, that person must believe that. Could they could do? They could not. But just enjoy the joke or, or the writing for what it is, because that's what it is. it's like. It's like saying a fantasy novelist, for example, believes that that world exists. Yeah. In today's reality, you know, it's like saying who. Um, well, they have to go to that place sometimes to actually write. Like they believe of it in course. their own mind. That's where the imagination comes from. That's why it's so real for somebody reading it or watching it or however if it gets developed into a movie. Yeah, you but have to see it. They're in that place at the time, but then they come out of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they've reached into that point in their mind where that is very real for them and they can just write that way. And then you can feel when the writing starts to go a bit bad, you're like, yeah. okay, I'm out of it. Like I need exactly. to step away. I need to refocus, re-energize and then come back and take it again. I can't see Tolkien running around the streets yelling out my precious and looking for a wing ring with a stick and asking where the hobbitses are. You don't know. He probably has cash now, you know. You might have a Lord of the Rings backyard. <laughs> 
I would have fired that cash. But do, do, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, I yes, do. you do have to take your mind to that space and, yes, you have to believe it to some point, but we understand that those points aren't real. Yeah. You know, I've met some comics that do very, in my opinion, very offensive work. Yeah. And I meet them off stage and they are lovely, lovely people, but okay. they've decided that that is their character their thing, yeah. and that is their thing and that is their entertainment and that is what they want to do and pursue. So when you say offensive, is it more dirty material or is no, it? No, I think offensive as in. Um, racial or. No, no, no. Uh, more, the only thing that I would ever find like that you've pushed the boundary too far is there's like no go areas in comedy, but even then people push those boundaries, which is. Oh yeah. And that's kind of what comedy is about though, to, yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but I think like we got to a point now where you've got to also work with your audience. Like if your audience is. Not vibing with that material, you have to switch it up pretty damn quickly and have something else ready to go. Yeah. And there's, and there's certain things even like, and I'm not saying male comedians, I'm saying female comedians. There's things that I just find now just obnoxious and offensive and I'm like this is terrible because it's cheap laughs or worse it's just you're making the audience uncomfortable and therefore they're laughing because they want to get through this discomfort which is which is an interesting point because I think this comes up on a lot of podcasts that I listen to or with people generally talking to them and friends of mine or they're like fans of comedy is um sometimes and I'm trying to say this without having a massive backlash but this is some guys, one. some guys have it. Can't watch female comics. They yeah. can't. They just don't find them funny. And there's little. It's it's sort of like it's, it'll never be. And and it could be vice versa for females watching some males and yeah. little ticks that I I think per, I think personally is sometimes they can't see the woman up there with power on stage and yeah. they can't believe it or see the things that they're saying from that standpoint. Yeah, some of them can get over really over over sexual mm-hmm. with certain premises or what mm-hmm. they're doing. But there, there's, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. Do you find that there's males that you're like, you know, some like do you prefer female comics over male comics or you just like comedy because when it's good, it's got a good, anyone's, it shouldn't really matter, male or female, whoever's mm. going up there, they've got a good act, they've got good jokes, they've got good premises, whatever yeah. they're trying to say, there's always a story to be told. It's funny. It's just funny, but yeah. there's an intro. Have you had guys say that to you when they've been I, intimidated on you on stage or anything like that? Or yeah, I mean, I've had a few different experiences. I've had, I think, the one that resonates me, with me the most, which is what you talk about, is that I have had guys come up to me afterwards and say, "Pardon me, I'm about, about to burp." Here we go. Here's very. There we go. <laughs> oh, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so this actually, that was perfect timing because this brings into what I was about to talk about is that I've had guys who have come to men who have come to audience, like as a part of the audience and have come up to me afterwards and have said, I don't find females funny, but I found your set hilarious. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I'm like, awesome. And they're like, you're really funny. Thank you. That's, that's what surprised. I was, that yeah. was like, oh God, I was trying to be dramatic and I came to a comedy show. Um, but yeah, so I do get that. I get a lot of actually after my show at Sydney Comedy Festival, I would get the men, the husbands and the boyfriends afterwards coming up to me going, "Oh my gosh, now I understand why my, you know, girlfriend does that. Oh, now I understand why." And so <laughs> it was learning. coming from that yeah. space and yeah. I think the thing about my 
comedy or the way I like to present myself um, is I want to be a strong female force, but I don't want to intimidate either men or women. And I think sometimes I've noticed with some female comics, and I'm not saying all, but with some female comics, they come from a space of like, I'm a, you know, badass bitch, you know, yeah. this is like my empowerment moment or whatever it might be, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. If that is your art, amazing. Go with it. Do Enjoy it. Yeah. Blah. Um, but please use it in the context of what you're delivering it mm. in. If it's comedy, it's. Not getting lost in the message or. or it's got to be funny. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like if you want to have a. You go know, do a piece rather. You can. If you want to yeah. have a poem and something yeah. poetic, please go do an poem open mic night or whatever but I think there's this uh, this thing of like because I'm shocking I am funny yeah no and because I'm demeaning myself I am funny no there are like you know self-deprecating humor can be like hilarious and I use it on occasion as well but you can come from a space of using that to your advantage and really flipping it, but then it can come from a space of like, <laughs> sounds terrible, but the audience actually feeling sad for you. Yeah. Like, oh my God, is that their life? Yeah. Like I, I Yeah, you've oh, gone too far with what you're trying to do. Yeah. You need to work it back into comedy. It, evidently that's what you're yeah. up there to do. Yeah. And it sounds like I'm, I'm talking from a professional space. Yeah. And like I said, I'm always humbled in knowing that I am still learning. I am still still learning and look we might do this podcast now and I listen back to it when we're doing podcast number 50 and yeah. I'll be like holy shit what was I saying yeah. I knew nothing but that's the way it goes right you're saying it two nothing. years in so I can only speak from like my experiences of what I have seen yeah. and what I have watched and yeah. I have done a lot of research because that's I'm I'm someone who submerges themselves in whatever yeah. they're doing yeah so I came from a space of watching some of these females and what they were doing and also males and going, don't want to do that. I don't find that funny. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to go down that road. I don't, I want to empower women and inspire men. Yeah. I like that. Because I think there is something to be said about one, a powerful woman and two, to inspire a man to then want to be in, in at that level of that powerful woman Yeah, and not to bring her down and not to push her aside and, and, just to, and not also not to idolize her and not to put her on this pedestal of like goddess or anything like that as well. Um, so, yeah, I want to Which empower women. a lot women. of guys do. I've been guilty of it before until okay. I've learned better. Yeah. I think a lot of, well, most guys probably do that at some point, but. Yeah, yeah. there's this there's this beautiful balance that can play and I yeah. think it comes and I think that's where some understanding. Again, I'm always going to come from the female perspective. I'm always going to come from a cis female perspective. I identify as female. I'm attractive to men, attracted to men. That's the way I identify. Yeah. You're being real. That's you. Yeah. That's me. And I just see it as from a space of constantly being like over my years, being put down by men, being pushed aside, being underestimated, all this sort of stuff and not being bitter about it. I don't come off as a bitch. I am not here to be a bitch mm. because I love men. I think there are, I've had amazing men in my life. Most of my, in terms of my best friends, 50% women, 50% men. It's a good balance. Yeah. And I've to the point where I've got a mate who's like, you're going to be the best man at my best man at my wedding. I'm like, sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Bring it on, yeah. strippers. <laughs> uh, <Yes>. No. Uh, <laughs> I'll be better than that. Uh, so, 
yeah, I, I sort of come from this space of also like a lot of my guy friends will say to me, Anissa, you're like, you're fucking awesome. I never want to mess with you. Yeah. But you're awesome. Yeah, you can be confronting. You've got. It's like you can you can be this strong, powerful woman and not be a bitch. Yeah. And you can be this, like you can own your sexuality and be attractive and whatever, and not be a slut. Yeah. And you know, and you can be intelligent and you know, um, charming, but also you don't have to be like inferior or you don't have to think people are inferior to you. So I think there's this beautiful self-awareness that can come with that. Um, so in terms of what I've experienced, I've definitely noticed that it's easy to take shots at the societal norms that have come before us. It is easy for the guy to be like, I fucked all these chicks because that's what has come before. That's yeah. the comedy that's come before. That's the idea that's come before. That's the culture that's come before. I'm such a player because I get to fuck all these chicks or vice versa. You get like the nerdy shy guy up on stage and he talks about how he doesn't get anything. Yeah. Guarantee the nerdy shy guy is getting more than the hot guy on stage. Just saying, just saying. Um, so I think there needs to be this, And again, this is not for everybody. This is just the way that I do my comedy and this is the way that I want to produce my work. I want it to elevate above what has come before. I want it to be better because through comedy and disagree with me if you wish, but this is the truth because this is the way that we have done it before, through comedy and entertainment is how we educate people. Yeah, well, they get a lot from – you can learn a lot of bad things from film with dating and relationships and things like that. It's not always as perfect as the guy chasing the girl all the time or doing these huge romantic gestures that get the girl – a lot of the time girls like to do the chasing too. The way that we have – like if we're going back to Roman times, the way that we told stories, the way that we told values, the way that we told how to conduct ourselves in societal's eyes was through – theatre and stories and poetry and art. Like that was how we did it. And it hasn't changed because you know why? Because that's what the masses like to consume. Yeah. I don't know many people who are like, oh, my God, I really want to watch ABC 24-7, you know, news channel 24 hours a day. No, they'll watch it for a small snippet. They'll get what they want from it. And I guarantee you they're entertained in some other way. Yeah. Well, they can apply these things to their own life and learn something from it. That they, they see parts of these characters or what have you in their own lives and they they start to find things about themselves and take themselves out for a moment. Like some people use it for just entertainment, surely. Look, and I get escapism is important. Yeah, but you can to get a point. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If we are using entertainment and like uh, clickbait and all this sort of stuff to escape on a regular basis, how, I'm sorry, but that really makes me concerned about where we are in a mental capacity as society. You lose sight of yourself and who you are as a person. Well, we're in the highest depression rate we have ever been in. Again, granted, we don't know because it wasn't measurable as it is now, Mm. but I truly believe it because we are constantly escaping. And you only have to, on the plane here, I was doing some work on my show and I had my head up and I'm kind of like taking it all in because I'm a, I'm a big observer because mm. through human behavior, I get inspiration. Through yeah, human for human sure. behavior, I get stories and I get new work, right? So I'm sitting there and 
To the left of me is this youngish guy, I'd say probably early 20s, headphones on, watching a movie. And then to the right of me is a like a, I don't know, 15-year-old boy playing a game, headphones on, head down. And then I looked up and the entire, and I'm not even kidding you, the entire plane, which was full, by the way, all had their heads. Yeah, fixed on the screen. Fixed on a screen had their heads down, fixed on a screen, and I just had this moment of, are we that? And again, I like I understand it's context and content, right? So the content that I give you in the context of being on a plane, I get there's nowhere to go. I get there's nowhere to go. You're sitting on a plane. But are we that like lost in the fact that we want to escape from where we are that the first thing we have to do is to miss out on the safety message, not watch that or listen to that, that we have to be entertained as soon as we fucking sit down. Yeah, well, it becomes your life, doesn't it, the consumer of it? But I I don't know if that can be – sometimes you can find that there's not two different people because you can't just narrow everything down to that. But there's there was an interesting conversation that I had a friend once, and, and for me, flights – and things like that is the most creative I am sometimes, have the mm. best thoughts because I switch off that from that stuff. Yeah. I can't worry about trying to see this person or going to do that or having to go to the gym. I'm on a plane. I can't go anywhere. So yeah. you can put that away and sometimes come up with the best actually creative material. So that could be from two creatives talking to each other with that mindset, whereas everyone else is like, I need to be entertained, push that button, turn that yeah. on and watch that. Because I had an interesting conversation once with a friend and he said it was just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'll just be happy to get a house, you know, and I can go fishing all day and do this and do that and go to the job. And, you know, that, that, that'll be me. Like I don't mind as long as i got a beer at the end of the day or what have you, you know. Pretty simple things, which is fine if that's the way you want to live your life. And that, mm-hmm. that's awesome, everyone mm-hmm. to it, you know, and family, kids or what if that's what you want as well. But yeah. then there's also other people that are striving for so much more. It's like, sure, I want those things, mm. you know, the family, the kids and stuff, but there's a fire burning inside me that wants to achieve something else. Like I know that I'm destined to do something else with this and – you know, create and entertain and connect mm. with people on a large basis and where film comes in with that because you can connect with people. On that other side, mm-hmm. they're watching it, the consumers, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like that could be two different mindsets there. But I think obviously with smartphones and laptops and things like that, these days, it's so easy to just switch something on. I mean, I think yeah. that's a huge issue in itself. That's probably a whole nother podcast you could do on. Oh, it's because like throwing it in front of the kids straight there, just here, watch that, do that. You know, what are they going to grow up to be like? Like the ones that are having it from the age of two now, oh, instead of going already... out and playing outside and being creative and getting outside of your own head or, well, you know, like, inside of your own head sometimes or outside of it playing out, you know, falling over, hurting yourself, yeah. learning from that instead of just falling over and dying on a video game, you know? Well, there's actually like, I mean, side note, but there's actually issues now with muscular skeletal development in um, teenagers uh, because of these, oops, sorry, touching the mic. I uh, always have trouble with anything named Mike. Um, from playing these games and, and doing these things. So it's really interesting that it's already affecting physical development and we 
can't see the effects of mental development yet because it hasn't been long enough. Oh, for sure. But you can already see the ripple effect. You can already see how people talk to each other or how they don't talk to each other. Like I am a phone call person. Yeah. I appreciate that not everyone, like I get texting, sometimes it's not the right time or whatever, and sometimes it's nice to have a bit of banter back and forth. If you know the person, that's great. But this text messaging culture. So much confusion that can come from messaging. Messaging is like you realize messaging, and again, I might might have a mind-blowing moment for some of you, but you realize that the intention of the words that you read come from you yourself yeah the way you're mirroring mirroring what the actually yeah the context of the situation where it could be completely different on the other end they could be joking with what they're saying and you've taken another way because your mindset's somewhere else yeah and that's where it gets lost the connection it's connectionless really almost to a certain point you're staying in touch but is there really a connection? And that's no. why when you call someone on the phone and you talk to them, you can tell the tone of their voice. You can see if they're upset. You can see if they're Amen. having a joke, if they're playing around. Yep. And the conversations are that much more connected and can mm-hmm. actually go somewhere more positive or more in depth Yeah. and have a real conversation. Yeah. And that's where I think it comes back to where that disconnect is with social outings or social interactions is that it is done to social media now so much rather than actual genuine conversation. I mean, how were their ancestors running around? You know, they didn't have any of that, but it's in your DNA to go outside and run around. You feel so much better when you get some fresh air and you go climb a mountain or hike or go to the beach and get some vitamin D, whatever happens to you. You always feel so much better and you're losing that disconnection with life with being so much fixed on that screen in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree with you. So that it, it's still an interesting thing you say, like you look around on the phone, but it's like that you go into a lunchroom at work mm. and like all the guys, like there'll be some that are laughing and joking, but most people will be on their phones. Oh, absolutely. And some people are even messaging, like, you know, young people these days, you know, they're messaging each other and, and they're, they're in the same goddamn room from each other. I know. And they don't even talk to each other three hours that they hang out. That's a hangout now. Like, uh, God damn, uh, that, that's trouble when you hear that from kids doing that. Switch those phones off away and get outside and go do something. It's, it's challenging. and But on another perspective and another, like, flip side, and this is where it's, like, for me, balancing my value system and where I sit, it's a lot of my communication and my message with how I am and my positive message, particularly around mental health and dream building and dream chasing and goal chasing and achieving comes through and, you know, penetrates people through social media. So I use Instagram and Instagram stories a lot to help, you know, generate that message that I'm trying to create because I know people feel safe there to watch, to listen. Uh, they having those deeper conversations with people face to face can be very confronting. Yeah, sure. So I have a lot of people who have been, I've noticed, have been watching me for many years. I have a lot of people who have been watching me and won't say anything. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, they're like, oh my gosh, like that thing you said just completely changed my perspective. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I said that like a year ago. Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, and it's it's resonated with them and it's urged them to go do something possibly with their lives or change, mm. make changes. I, I remember that when I first started acting and started putting things out on Facebook and I had a few messages, you know, six months, maybe a year or two down the track 
along the way of going, oh, man, I really love what you're doing. You know, like people that I didn't really even really talk to much. It was just sort of friends that, you know, you build your network on Facebook, whatever. You have to mm-hmm. do it to a certain extent. You know, we're mocking yeah. the – but we, we have to use it as a tool, yeah. you know, not a way of life. Yeah, I think that's and, really important to be clear on. Yeah. It is a tool. Yeah. It is a tool and you have to be like any trade. You cannot ever blame your tools. No, for your outcome. It's always the workmanship. It's how you operate that tool and how you yeah. go about your task of what you're doing. It's not a task of life, though. You're supposed to be living life. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So and use it as a tool. Please yeah. don't use it as an outcome. Yeah, that's it. But, yeah, like you say, like we have to use it. We're using it as a tool to promote what we're trying to do. I understand mm-hmm. that. But you can get sucked into that vortex that is social media. And oh, absolutely. Especially, I guess I can see from a certain point as they've grown up with this now, we didn't have that when we were growing up. Mm-mm. I would way rather – I sometimes – I'd play like when my dad would stop playing cricket with me or kicking the ball around I'd be still playing outside by myself playing mini yes. games and chip chase you know doing yes. this over the top of defence they weren't even there that was so but great. I carved that shit up when they weren't there yeah. but yeah it was you know like that's how you get that imagination going you know yeah, and that's have- where you turn those cogs and things get created you know um, I have running races down the back oh, paddock. Ridiculous like, stuff. Was, yeah. Yeah it was amazing was but so I think good. that also can come from uh, being, say, in a small town or being in it, growing up in a country town like you did, you have that room to do it. <laughs> Whereas when you're in the city, you've got your own tight-knit community and you stay to that. But there's a lot of people mm. as well. It's it's different because I meet different mentalities now after moving from a small town to this, you know, to Brisbane here. Not a huge city, but it's still a big city compared to where I came from. Mm. And I've been here like nine years now, but I can see the difference from people, like early on from the people that are from the city mm. as opposed to the people that have come from small towns. And and their general interactions are so much different and the connect in, in itself, you know, yeah. and as opposed to two foreigners, I'm a foreigner coming here, um, other foreigners seem to interact and want to have a good conversation, just happy to chat, 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 even through, as we say, text messages, the difference of that, even with the dating apps and everything. You'll, they'll send novel text messages and I like doing that too. Like I'll do yeah. it back. To a certain extent, you got to stop and you want to connect and, you know, meet up for a drink or give them a call or what have you. But I knew this would turn into dating oh, apps. Oh, it would keep you going back. <laughs> I way. knew it would come this way. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, like that, they're so happy to do it. You do that once to someone that's from the city and not used to that, or what? I they're don't like, know. They just much. like, yeah, too much. I'm, I'm out. Too much. Like, and to a certain extent, I'm like, okay, we should meet up now because we obviously get along and we can connect. But that's shared, an interesting one. You shared in itself. too much information about your life. I really don't mind. With a person. No, I'm saying. <laughs> oh, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 let's not make this about <laughs> okay, you. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm just saying like people get, uh, I find it really interesting with dating apps. It's, it's this thing of like, I want to, I want to find someone. I want to find someone. I want to meet them. I want to find them. I want to meet them. I want to have a conversation with them. I want to have a communication with them. I want to have a relationship with them. I want to, I want to, you know, eventually marry them. I want to have this like amazing love story. I want to have this. I want to have that. Oh, but I can't tell them where I work or where I live or what I do or um, what I like or it's anything like street. that. Or I'll just say, um, Hey, how was your day? Opening up. Yeah. Being vulnerable, I guess. It's, um, it's yeah, I can't, I can't tell them anything about myself. Yeah, well, you're not going to get anywhere with that. You're only going to get someone that's very superficial or the same exact way, and yeah. that's never going to work. It's just never – it's not going to work. And what I challenge people on is sometimes to, again, having this smorgasbord of choice, going back to the buffet analogy, mm. which I really like, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's a good that one. That was a good one, yeah, right? You can I was just like that. pat myself on the back. Uh Going back to that buffet analogy, it's what I find lacks is people's commitment just to get to know someone. 
It's not girlfriend. It's not to sleep with. It's not to marry. It's not long-term relationship. It's not whatever you want to call it, right? It's not that. It's just a commitment to get to know someone. Yeah. That's all that's required. That's all that's needed. Because when you get to know someone, you know pretty, like it's like going to a barbecue, right? And you you know your mate and you know his mate or his mate. But then there's other people that you don't know. You would rock up, probably grab yourself a beer or a beverage or whatever, and you'd be introduced. And then your mate has to go off and do something else. And you feel obliged to stay in that circle and just be like, oh, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And you will end up talking. You're forced to socialize. And sometimes the best outcomes and your best friends can come from that sort of scenario. And all you had to do was like, you just committed yourself. It's like, I'm going to a barbecue. I'm not going to know anybody. I'm just going to commit yeah. myself to that. Oh, yeah, you got to push yourself to do it. And then you you end up having the best nights most times when you do that or you go to a gig by yourself or, you you know, you go to a certain thing like a film premiere or what have you and you're like, ah, I don't want to show up with someone. I'm just going to go myself. And you always meet the best people you tend to connect. But, but the greatest thing is if you don't connect with someone at the barbecue and you don't know them very well. You move on and go to the next person and keep going. Keep Thank that. you. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes people get so caught up with, have you ever had that time when like you've got like three parties or something like when you're younger that you're like, I really want to go to all three. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get to like all three or whatever. And you've yeah. got a group of friends. You start at one and you're like, you're constantly thinking and you're watching and you're clocking. You're like, I mean, if we don't go now, we're not going to get to the next party in time or someone's going to be wasted or yeah. whatever. But someone's having So you're a, never really there at the you're time never at really the party there to have a good time because you're always at that next thing and then you go home and you're like, like oh, the next party's going to be great. The next party's going to be great. The next party's going to be great. You go to the next party. Oh, this is fucking lame, what, isn't are it? Are they the comedy nights? Oh, hey. Every Monday night. Sure Every Monday night. Pit. What's that? Um, that's uh, New Market, right? Yeah. Ooh, thanks, sad guy. Yeah. But um, um, so we'll go back to your comedy because we definitely oh, got yeah. sidetracked with anyway, that right now. The and moral of that story is just if you kind of find some intrigue in someone, just commit to get to know them. That's all that's required. Yeah. You know, because you know what? You if you liked someone back and they didn't commit to get to know you. It's like that, it's always that guy that scorns that's like, oh, you didn't even get to know me. Like you didn't even try or whatever. It's like just if you get to know them a little bit and you'll see a red flag straight away or not yeah, or orange flags or green flags or whatever. it's about putting yourself out there at the start and being your real self yeah. rather than being anything superficial. Yeah, or and be yeah. present in yeah. the moment. Don't, you know, I guarantee you that the people that you are swiping on after this person will still be there. Yeah. Because it's the same cesspool every time. It is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just commit to getting to know someone. That's all. Put yourself out there. Be vulnerable. Be five minutes, ten minutes, a minute. Take a chance. Take a chance. So you're about to film your special here mm. in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Hour long, family and friends. There's probably still tickets available. So we there will, is, there is, there is. Tell, tell, tell everyone where your show's going to be at. It's going to be at the Ron Hurley Theatre, which is in Seven Hills Hub, which is really cool because I wanted to find a space that visually looks just gorgeous, and it does. So along with being visually gorgeous is that it's quite large. (laughs) So is it a little, well, not a little, but a theatre, obviously. It's a theatre, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's 
It's great. I can't wait to do my show there in that venue. So if you would like to come so along. So guys got it up. Look oh, at that. Hey, it's coming up. I well, mean, he's you, trying to... you can't, we can't see it. You know, like the people who are listening to this podcast yeah, yeah, can't yeah. go like, but oh, we I can see tell that. Them. Yeah, but so, um, okay, where can they get tickets if they oh, want jump, to go? Easiest way is to jump on my website. So www.anisa.com.au. That's A-N-N-I-S-A. And, or you can even type in Anisa B and it comes up. Pretty much. Which is your stage name, we should add. Yeah, which is my stage name for comedy. Yeah. Um, And please, yeah, come along. It's it's, It will be a show and you definitely will enjoy yourself. We're going. Yeah. Me me and Side Guy are going. Yeah, Side Guy's coming too. So Saturday night, that's when you you should come, turn up, VIP after party. VIP after party, we're doing it. There's going to be drinkies, there's going to be cake. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, I'm I'm really stoked. Like this is the way I designed this. And again, I have intention behind everything I do. It's important to me to know why I'm doing things. And I kind of came in doing this show. Initially, it was just... I knew that friends and family were going to be kind of around because I have my my Russian Christmas tomorrow and I hadn't done anything for my 30th because yeah. my 30th was just recently. And I knew that I can't, I'm sorry, but I can't do things the way that everyone else does them. I don't know if you picked up on that. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I, I sort of, just a little bit, yeah. I can't I do it. it. I can't do it. So the idea, and bless anyone that wants to do it this way, I totally get it. It's a good time and fun. I just can't do drinkies, getting sloshed and having cake. I yeah. just can't do it. It's not my thing. So I thought instead I want because when you're when you're at that stage in life, when you you know you are heading into your 30s, it's like a new chapter, it's a new phase. And I think sometimes I don't know about how everyone else sees it, but I know it sometimes as a friend and a family member, I wish I could give more to that person yeah. for their life. Yeah. Rather than just rocking up at a party and being like, hey, let me drink all your booze. Um, I want to give more. So I came from a space of going, I'm going to put on a show for my friends and family, this show that I've worked so hard for, and I don't want them to buy me a gift. I don't want them to have any obligation in that way, shape, or form. I would love them to buy me a ticket, and the ticket is simply just to cover the venue. Mm. And it's supporting your career as well. And it's supporting my career. And entertained at the same time. And all I wanted to do was be like, because I find this is something I've worked so hard on by myself, I'm someone who values and loves experiences because experiences make memories and memories last a lifetime. The, the piece of jewelry or the watch or the gift card to something only lasts for whatever it lasts for, right? So I found that or my thought process was I want to put on this show for my friends and family and people who wanted to explore this and be this here with me and give them an experience so that they remember Anissa's 30th, she put on this show and we all experienced together. And you remember that joke you did or whatever, because now 10 years down the track from here, when they come to my 40th show, they'll be like, oh my God, do you remember that? 30? Like you've progressed so far. We yeah. can see your change. We've been a part of your journey from where you kind of started to now. Like that, that is life-changing. That is inspirational. That is what I talk about, like empowering women and inspiring men. That is my value system. And I would <laughs> I would probably feel less of myself if I had a party and gave people nothing in return. Yep. So by doing this, I give them not only experience but an experience of me so they don't get to forget that with me. And it's an amazing way to connect with everybody once again. 
yeah. not just a conversation, but you'll be having that afterwards, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, many conversations. After party, just to after, throw it out there again. The after party should be fun. That'll be fun. Um, so but, yeah, so that's Elizabeth kind of. Is Elizabeth Dawson going to come out there or? Uh, look, I'm not going to say yay or nay on that, so you'll just have to come to the show yeah. to find out. One thing I do want to touch on before we finish up yeah. is that you recently went to America and you did spots in America, which is huge being two years in once again and awesome that you're doing a special and you're filming it and you're going to shop that around, which is what you're filming in Brisbane. But yeah. getting a call up to go to the American comedy scene is huge, really. It's so hard to get spots in those places, build yeah. the connection to do that, even if you're from LA or where, wherever yeah. in America, but LA being a pretty big hub for comedy. LA and New York, probably the two biggest states for comedy. So how was yeah. that for you, that experience? And how did that actually come about? Because that's a pretty amazing thing. Um, okay. Well, first of all, I think I just need to preframe this by saying I, the, again, acting and filmmaking and everything is like up there. And now comedy has got to this space where I've realized it's all on the same level. So for me, it's all now what I want Right. It was like initially, you know, acting comedy. That's why I'm acting film. That's why I'm moving to Sydney. Oh, comedy. Great. Like, let's see how this goes. And then, oh, I actually get the same feels. I get the same creative buzz. I get everything that I want. I can actually deliver my message more in this space as well. So that it, it elevated comedy and stand up to the same bar that I wanted for film and television. Yeah. In saying that, though, I still have very big goals and dreams and vision in film and television. Uh, so I decided with my co-producer, Nicole, that we were going to go over to America for the American film market. Okay. So that was huge in itself. We had a couple of projects that we were working on. I had a feature film script idea that has been in my head for many, many, many years. I, in fact, started the story when I was in high school, in boarding school, and I told it to her and she's like, this is amazing, you need to write this. So I actually took about a month and a bit off kind of doing like stand-up spots because I needed every waking moment to write this script out. So we'd already planned it. We'd been working towards it. We were going over there for the American film market. We had a couple of things to pitch. We wanted to meet people. We want to start those connections and that network, right? And I had this moment when I was chatting to a couple of my friends and Sam as well. And Nicole had said to me, she's like, you should see if there's stand-up spots around when we're over there. Like take the opportunity. I'm like, yeah, I should. I'm all about that. Like if there's opportunity there, fucking take it. And then Sam had said to me, Mace, you should, you know, message around and see if there's any stand-up spots available. I'm like, okay, cool. And then another comedic, uh, comedy friend of mine um, also uh, said, like, the same thing. And I was like, okay, again, points of three. So I I messaged around. I, like, find out when the open mics were on. I found out all this sort of stuff. I found out bits and pieces. And you know what the funniest thing is? I didn't end up doing any open mics. I did book spots. Yeah, which is what I saw. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> so I was just expecting to rock up and, and do some open mic and sort of feel the scene out. And I ended up going to some open mics but not getting on because the scene is so unbelievably competitive over there. Oh, for there. sure. Comedy's huge these days. So competitive. And it was just so happened that I was at a gig and I was watching these comics at a very well-known place. And I won't say why uh, because of what I was talking about. <laughs> and I was talking to this guy standing next to me and I didn't know where I was going. And he was behind me and he was like, he was an older gentleman. And I was like, he's like this way. I was like, okay, cool. So I'd gone the wrong way. Back down. Right down. It's all packed. Nowhere to sit. 
So I sort of, sort of stand and this guy's standing next to me and chatting away and then all these people come up and like hug him and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, he's known. He's somebody. He's somebody. Yeah. And I'm standing next to him and I didn't know who this was and um, he goes, oh, have you been here before? And I said, no, 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 first time. And he goes, I know because obviously you didn't know where the room was. Like I told you where to go. I'm like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I was like, fuck, this is a great start. <laughs> Anyway, I'm chatting away to him and, um, again, not much was said apart from the fact, you know, um, like names exchanged and all this sort of stuff and then they start and the bookers, so the way that some of these rooms work is they do open mics and the comics have to come and grab like a ticket. There's only like so many tickets they're getting out. They put in a bucket. So say there's like 70 tickets given out, they put in a bucket and only like 15 comics get drawn. Yeah. So 70 people are waiting there. Yeah, wow, okay. That's, to yeah, see if their name gets drawn. Do you, yeah. know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot. And the, I'm sure there's people that they call up because they want to see them and whatever the politics is of whatever oh, if it they're is. knowing, they're going to give them a spot. Like if yeah. they're amazing, yeah. Uh, and the bookers are like behind, you know, us. And how it works is if someone does like a four or five-minute set that people like, then they might put them down because they want to see them again. And that might mean that they go to the Sunday session a little later. Like, yeah. and then, then from then they build into the, you know, they the get next a bit one. of time. And then so, they, yeah. they build up the levels in the rooms and yeah. whatever it might be, which in a way I think is great because mm. it sort of should be that way. But to be seen initially is very Hard. Yeah, well, you audition for some of the big rooms, like the main one, like the comedy store and places like that. Yeah. To be picked. So, yeah, okay, that happened. And yeah. are you going to name drop who this guy was or uh, going to leave us in suspense? No, I'll leave you in suspense. Oh. I'll, I'll tell you what his room is, though. But um, anyway, I was chatting away and I was like, how long do these people get? And he's like, oh, three, four minutes. I'm like, okay. And I just turned back to him and I said, so why are they fucking wasting it? And he just lost it because the the things that I was seeing was just, yeah. I'm sorry, but it was wasting three and four minutes. It was like no preparation. Especially there was with that no kind of crowd. Yeah, no time. I'm like, why would you be wasting this? Like, why? Um, especially in this particular room. And he just he lost it. He goes, "You're funny," and I said, "You wait. There's a drinking game." Because I just saw this pattern. I said, it's either going to be self-deprecating humor, uh, girl's going to talk about fucking some guy, and or it's going to be about some guy being depressed. Like that was the thing. Yeah, okay. And he's like, okay. And then no joke. Next one that came up, I was like, self-deprecating humor, self-deprecating humor. Next girl that came up, you know, um, it's about ex-boyfriend and sex, next boyfriend and sex. And but he just lost it. He was like, you, you, like, you know, you can pick the people, yeah. You can pick the people. I said, because I've been watching this for a little while. And he's, you know, he started asking me questions and whatever. And he said, oh, look, let's chat outside. I'm like, great. Ch- uh, chat outside, meet a couple of other comedians who he introduced me to. And then this girl comes up to me and she goes, I can't believe you're speaking to Matt Devlin. I'm like, okay, cool. She's like, he runs one of the biggest privately run comedy rooms in L.A. Awesome. Great. Then chatting away, she's like, you have to go see it. You have to go see it. And Matt's like, yeah. I'm like, when's it on? He's like, every Wednesday night. It's free. People rock up. They get a wristband, right, to get in because they only allocate 150 people in this room. No joke. Probably 80 to 100 people get turned away because it's a free event and it's so unbelievably good. It's downstairs in the middle of Venice and 
Um, he's like, you have to come and see it. I'm like, great, I'm there. Like, this is what I want. I want experience. I want experience. And then at the end, he's like, when are you, how long are you here till? I'm like, oh, I'm only here for another two weeks. He's like, damn, I've already done my bookings. He, um, he goes, and I was like, were you thinking about like getting me on? He goes, yeah. I'm like, you haven't seen any of my stuff. He goes, you've got chops because of the way I was talking. Yeah, he's like, you've course, got chops. Yeah. He goes, I can tell that you're good. I'm yeah. like, oh. He could read the energy. I was like, especially thank the, you. Yeah. Like that was compliment enough for me. That yeah. was great. So I knew I was coming. We'd already connected, blah. Um, an hour before the show, Matt messages me and says, Anissa, can you have a seven, five to seven ready? Um, because I think one of my girls, she's booked, she's come from New York. She's booked like three gigs tonight. I don't think she's going to be able to make this one. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll put it on. He's like, just on standby. I'm like, sweet. Can you bring up Matt Divlin, by the way? Because <laughs> I, I actually don't he, know who he, that is. So to he um, runs on Venice Underground is yeah. what his. So Venice Beach is that sort of along that. Yeah. yeah, so you yeah, know yeah. where the Venice sign is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a pub there. Yeah. And I like saw directly some of your pictures off. and that looked familiar because um, so yeah, guy there and I went is. there. There he is. That's him. That's him. Um, I have seen him before. He's around. It looks like Forrest Gump when he was um, <laughs> walking all that time in the movie. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so he called you up because this uh, sitcomic from New York might not show up. Yeah, so I ended up rocking up and sitting backstage with the comics and it's an amazing room and I highly recommend it to any comedian that is seriously in love with the game um, and in love with the scene, go to this room because this is not the comedy store. This is not Hollywood improv. This yeah. is not the Laugh Factory this is like, this is how I think the roots of comedy and the fields of comedy really started and really grew to that that kind of schmick kind of idea uh, idealism. Yeah, it's like it's it's probably now one of my favorite rooms. Like I'm, I'm sorry, but it's probably now my favorite room. Yeah, because it's just brilliant, and they do the set list from who's around, and it's just I. You know, I'm looking at the backstage and they've got all these set lists and there's just incredible comedian after incredible comedian just randomly on these set lists. And I'm like, holy, what did I walk into? What did I, how did I get here? Chatting away to who was on that night, making some friends, find out that like Matt's like, he's not, um, she's not going to make it. You're going on. Okay. Okay. And lucky I'd already done another gig at another place at Burbank called um, Flappers, which I'd organized before I got there, which was good. And I tried out that set and I was like, oh, yeah. And I kind of sussed out the room and I thought, oh, no, I'll do a different set. Um, and I rocked up and I, so I did my set and everything. I got some laughs, which was great. Uh, but the funniest joke the funniest thing that they laughed at which I thought I already tried it at one of the other things yeah. the other places and I just thought this was so funny I've written a whole set about it was I rocked up on stage and I said g'day my name's Anissa and as you can tell by my accent I am educated and they lost their shit <laughs> with the g'day they sold lost, them a g'day they lost their shit yeah they thought it was the funniest thing ever and it was just so brilliant because I just had such a like a stream of events that led up to that point okay. that I've written a whole set about it, um, which is one of my newer sets, but I've decided that I will do it tomorrow uh, on this week okay. for the recording because awesome. I, I think it's so great. Yeah. Um, 
it's a brilliant way to start too. Yeah. It's such a punch one-liner it's from such the a start. Punch well, you I'm, need that as a comic to yeah. get them on your side. Well, one of my whenever I walk up for my open mics or whatever, my one-liner is I always fiddle with the microphone and I'm like, I always have trouble with anything named Mike. So yeah. that's that's my opener yeah. and it gets people inside pretty quick. And I've got to come, I know I've got to come up with more, but it's my favorite so far. Yeah, it's sometimes some of those really cheesy lines. Like oh, they're, yeah. they're, there's, a, there's a way with it and there was a guy that was doing stuff down there that was, uh, you know, like a comedy club here. He has some really cheesy stuff. I don't think it's funny and not too many people think it's funny, but there's a there's a point where those cheesy lines work and that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Of them. Yeah, yeah, if you can pull it off with a conviction, you know. Yeah, it, set, yeah. it sets up for my character. It sets yeah. up like it, a lot of things, right? So uh, I ended up doing this gig and I'm standing backstage afterwards and I'm chatting to these comics and like I don't know, even know how I got here because the next youngest in the game is four to five years in and has been like touring around and doing all sorts of things and whatever. Yeah. Everyone else is eight years plus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Plus who are regulars at the comedy store, who are regulars at the Laugh Factory, Yeah. who are regulars at Ha Ha Bar and I've just connected with them. Yeah. And there's a couple in there that I am now like creating really amazing friendships with and relationships with that I am just unbelievably grateful that have turned around and been like, I want to come to Australia. I'm like, when you do, tell me. I've got people that would just like die to have you at their, you know, at their places, oh, at, their, sure, at, yeah. at their gigs and everything. And the sweetest thing is that, you know, because I've created these connections and because I've started to create these relationships is that they want me to come along with them. Do you know what I mean? Like they want me, they're like, okay, well, would you consider opening yeah, for me? Yeah, that, would you consider doing amazing, this? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, of course I would. Like I don't expect that. Yeah. You know, and whether it comes. Just grateful for the connection and just, the friendship. I'm so yeah. grateful for the connection and the friendship and so grateful for the opportunity to have the knowledge because I can ask them questions and ask them advice and, and get that eight plus years. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, you, money can't buy that. Yeah, that's. I can't get that on the scene here. No. I can't. And that's a different, and that's a different environment too in itself. How you said you had to work your material around being in an American crowd in LA, and the rooms there. Oh, yeah. So how did you did you find a lot? Of, you had to throw a bit out there first couple of sets warm up before you came to this point, or some of them uh, found. I think some of them with some of my jokes. It's more the context for the content. So I noticed that my content was like good and would work in the yeah. American environment. However, the culture of the content would not. Yeah. So with one of my jokes, I talk about like all my friends are getting like married is yeah. kind of where I go with it. But uh, one of the ladies yelled out, divorced. And I was like, how old do you think I am? But then in talking to one of my American friends afterwards, they're like, oh, yeah, we all get married young here. Yeah. So – like 30 for me, which is like when everyone's starting to get married, is like second marriage <laughs> in their world. So it's not that the content that I was talking about, um, you know, was wrong. Mm. It was more the context in in terms of the place that I'm talking about it and at. And what the material they're and the be culture able to connect and, with. And, yeah. yeah, and what they connect yeah. with. So I definitely knowing what I know now when I go back, um, I would be spending a little bit of time just talking to people, just an every, everyday person, just to understand the kind of verbiage and the culture that would go around those kind of topics so that I can tweak 
it a little bit. So it's still my work and it's still what I want to talk about and everything, but it works within their culture. So that was something that I walked away from and I get to talk to comics about as well because my culturalism, like my, my content is not off par because I've been speaking to them about it and they're like, no, 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 this is like, this is what we like to hear and talk about and whatever. And you'll definitely find an audience in that. However, how you deliver it, it's either going to be funny because you're Aussie which is what they like to laugh at. Yeah, of course. Or it's going to be funny because you've related it back to them. Yeah. So, yeah, so a how, beautiful learning experience for me. Yeah, of course. And I got some laughs. I was happy with yeah. that. It's always worse in your head than it probably is oh, in reality. Yeah, of course. So how did your set, yeah, your set go at this big, co- what it was the comedy great. venue? You oh, it's, called, it's called Venice Underground. Venice Underground. Yeah, okay, Venice I Underground. have heard of that, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. There it is. Oh, well. Yeah, it's up on the screen, guys, that you can't see because this so is a podcast. guys got this, but you can find it yourself because you have that Google at your fingertips. Yes. Uh, Which yeah. we've told you to stay away from a little bit too. So but, very, very humbling. And yeah. I, I walked back feeling like I was a beginner again and I still feel like I'm a beginner because of that experience, which is so fantastic. Humbling, it, yeah. So it, like any any possible ego that I could possibly grow in this small smaller scene, I'm like, that's being popped like big time. Yeah. So I've come back hungry. I've come back knowing exactly where I want these next kind of four shows to go. I know there's a fifth in the series, but I don't know what that looks like yet. And I think that'll come with time. Um, but yeah, like that's incredible. Like the fact that I can be like, okay, I know, I feel like I know nothing. I'm starting again. I am hungry. I am humbled. Everyone has their place. Everyone has their journey. And uh, I know nothing. Yep. I'm just learning every time. You're a baby ready to walk again. Baby ready to walk. But that's 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 the thing that can come with a lot of things in life and not just comedy is that we get these moments where we're knocked down to the canvas, you know, and we're five rounds in in the fight and you come back up and you've learned what you've learned from what's happened already and what and what actually those punches that were thrown your way and that's that's where the best growth comes from. It's hard at the time, relationships, what have you, when you put yourself out there mm. with these relationships or with yourself in the creative environment or the industry or anything you're doing really in life. Yeah. And that's the space where you either – you're going to sink or swim, but that's the best place to come from with growth and finding something out out, out about yourself mm. and where you go to to elevate to the next level on your journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's something to be said about that analogy. You're so right. Like if you put yourself in the boxing ring, five rounds you could be down, but you've learned so much in those five rounds. At the sixth round, you're like, I'm so ready for this. I know exactly what's happening. I'm ready to fight. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like with anything, I've always come from the space of, not everything is going to be the best. Not everything is going, not from a perspective of comparing yourself to others, but it's never going to be your best work. I think this idea of perfectionism, particularly in the entertainment industry, because people are so hungry for like consuming content, uh, it has to be great. It has to be clout worthy. It has to be shareable. It has to be this. Uh, I would challenge you just to um, just to create. And if you're not wanting to put it out there, then don't. And if you do want to put it out there, be proud that you just put it out there. Don't worry about the outcome of what that and looks let like. let it go. And let it go because that was what you wanted. You created the work. You made the work. It's done. Be proud of what you've just done, the energy that you've put into it and what you've done and then move on from it and go back to the, go to the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get consumed by, say, a post like that and you're like, oh, I didn't get 100 likes or I didn't mm-hmm. get 1,000 likes or what have you. Oh, uh, I'll delete that. I've done it before. Mm. I have done it before. Oh, yeah. And I've got to that point now and I'm like, you know what, you just 
put it out there and forget about it and just move on. You know, eventually people will come back to it. They'll see it, whatever. It's out there now in the social media stratosphere. Just move on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just keep going. You can't really let other – and it's something that I've, like, had to go through as well is letting other people's opinions dictate the way you live in your life. And you just can't do that. Like, you just got to stay true to what you know and what Mm. you believe and just keep going with that and just go full hog with it 100%. And eventually you'll make it. You'll you'll make it somewhere with what you're trying to do. Yeah, and I think also being humbled in knowing when you've made a mistake humbled and knowing when you've fucked it up, so to speak. And just owning that, I think there's a very big shift on the fact that people don't want to own up to their actions. Because if you don't take 100%, rewind it, press blue. If you don't take 100% responsibility for your life, your actions, your words, your attitude, the way you conduct yourself, your relationships, if you don't take 100% responsibility in any of those things, then I'm sorry, but you are not living. Like you're not human. You're not exploring the moment because as soon as you start deflecting everything off someone else, oh, this has happened because this person did this to me. Yeah. This person did. You were, you were starting to deflect every emotion that you can possibly do or feel and you wonder why oh, I don't feel connected to anybody because you're not being authentic. Yeah. And you only have so much energy in your mind and in your body and in your being. You, if you concentrate on the negative things and reflect it in that way, you're never going to get anywhere with what you've got. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Just yep. keep doing your thing. Yeah. Trust in the process. Trust in the process and do the fucking work. That's it. Hard work pays off. Yes. Is that where you want to finish it? We'll finish on that. All right, go. Anissa B, it's been awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me. Comedy show this weekend, the 10th and 11th Mm -hmm. at the, what was it, Seven Hills? It's at the Ron Hurley Theatre. You can find tickets at www.anisa.com.au. That is A-N-N-I-S-A. And I would love, love, love to see you guys all there. Come be there, people. Be awesome. Turn up in the after party. Sweet. Awesome. Done. Let's do it. Done. Out. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. You did it. You made it to the end. And now for the bonus scene. No, not really. There's not a bonus scene, but you made it to the end. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Or if you'd like to follow our journey, Going Deep with Dan Good on Instagram, or follow my personal account, Dan Triple Underscore Good. Thank you, everyone. Until next time.